Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Geek Vibes Hello, everyone out there in Geek Vibes Nation. How you doing? It's your pal Dana Alps with another enticing episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. For new listeners, it's a weekly show that me and my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton, do about two times a week where we break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news and review the shows. And this is quite an episode for you guys. This is the all, the all, I was about to say all in. This is the all out two uh review show and we're also going to be reviewing dynamite and nxt from this last week so before we get to all that just want to thank all of our listeners appreciate you guys listening to us uh definitely hit us up we give out our tags at the end of the night you know i'm danels 42 on twitter i'd like to see some interaction man message me you know we can have a conversation even if you want to yell at me we'll figure it out i'm not the nicest person when it comes to that type of you know, uh, intense interaction, but for you guys, I'll, I'll channel myself into a, a very, you know, nice Buddhist monk. Either way, speaking about Buddhist monks, I'm joined by, like I said, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. How are you doing, sir? <laughs> Why do I get the Buddhist monk gimmick? Because <laughs> you're Zen and shit. I don't want to uh, fuck, man. I'm drinking a beer. <laughs> Same. Uh, yeah, man, it's been a been a pretty good week for me over here. Busy, but good. Football starts back tonight. Watch the NHL playoffs. Watch the fuck ton of wrestling. Um, yeah, and if you guys want to hit me on Twitter, same as Dane, you can hit me at, at Chris R. Patton. And, uh, you know, as long as you're asking stuff about the show and not just random ass shit from, well, actually, if it's random ass shit from the past and not just random ass stuff I have no clue about, <laughs> feel free to message me. Uh, Dane. How's your week been, man? It's been good, man. You know, for the one thing, the 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 silver lining when it comes to having a three day weekend when you go back to work, you're like for for people that you know work during the week like I do and you do, it's like four day work week, and it's Friday tomorrow. So it got there quickly, is what I'm trying to say. Very yeah, exciting. I did the I did the four day weekend thing. Um. <laughs> So I was definitely in a haze on Tuesday. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing with my life when I woke up? <laughs> That's me every uh, morning, pretty much, Chris. <laughs> All right. At least we were on the same page one day. <laughs> page like like Adam Page or like Dem Dallas Page or Page. Or the you know? yeah the the queen of uh, the queen of Twitch Page. <laughs> Out here queen of right Twitch. I'm I'm glad she was like, yeah, definitely not doing that. You guys can fuck off. <laughs> so yeah. awesome. It was pretty great. But we're not here to talk about that. I'm sure we'll t- we there is some updates. We'll talk about that on the Ron Smackdown show. So new listeners, if you're you know just starting off with us, thank you guys for listening. Uh, I don't know if you found us on Pro Wrestling Links or if you're just someone that stumbled across the greatest wrestling review podcast out there. In the internet, I don't care who it is against, you know. Come at me, bro. Uh, I'll I'll take on fucking Solomonster. I appreciate him, but fuck it, you know. I'll take on Shane Helms. 
Um, I'll get my ass kicked, but I'm just saying, you know, if you guys want to listen on a different audio platform, uh, another downloadable platform, you know, just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance on Google and you'll find our links. We're on YouTube, we're on Stitcher, we're on Spotify, we're on SoundCloud, uh, pretty much all the major ones. Just search iTunes, just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance and you'll find all of our episodes. So we've got ones in the past. This is the current one. So instead of talking about the future with the next show around SmackDown or the past, we're in the present right now. So let's talk about All Out. Uh, are you ready for this one, Chris? Aye, aye, Captain. Uh, <laughs> as ready as I'm ever going to be. All right. Well, All Out in Jacksonville, Florida. I wish, one thing I wanted to say is I wish that we could have gotten um, my good friend Michael Hoyt because he decided to try to randomly get a ticket to this, and he ended up getting one. And he was at this, and he said that the heat index inside the motherfucker at Daly's Place was 100 almost a whole entire time. So if anyone was wondering why the audience was pretty much dead by the end of the pay-per-view, it's because I was talking to Hoyt, and he's like, it's so hot, I feel like I'm passing out. So that's why the energy might have dropped. Because as you'll note, you know, and especially when we talk about it on Dynamite, the audience, especially for Matt Hardy and certain things, they were coming out of the damn seats. And it was like that for a while, I would say, at All Out. But the fact that it was a longer pay-per-view, I think it was with the pre-show five hours total, you know, for people that are, are sitting in the audience in an open-door arena, that might have been pretty fucking humid from uh, Florida standards. Could you imagine... You know, I don't think either one of us really thought about the concept of going to All Out, and I think I would have been mad if I did, to be quite honest with you. But could you imagine being in seats and it's like over 100 degrees for most of the time while you're watching this thing? Uh, not only that, but you're, I mean, you're kind of outside and you're also trapped in these little pods, the seating pods. I don't know how free you are to move around in the building. Um, I mean, I can compare it to some like music festivals and stuff I've been to where it's Georgia heat. But yes, that sounds that sounds fucking terrible. <laughs> not going to lie. It just does not sound fun, man. At all. Um, but either way, people were there and it was cool to have people in the audience just like the show before that. And it continues to be uh, a nice add on. I don't know if Reddy Hardy's going to be in the audience every show, guys. Just want to warn you about that. Um, but uh, hey, whatever. Um, yeah, so let's. I'll just go over the pre-show matches, and I don't remember these. I I feel bad, but you know, I remember most of the moments of some of the matches I didn't even like, um, and a lot of the ones I did like. But what I do know is on the pre-show they had it was Serpentico versus Joey Janela. Spentico is someone that is probably one of y'all's psyche. Uh, if you just watch AEW's main product, Dynamite, uh, he's the one that Sammy Guevara uh, was pretending to be that was in the audience uh, when he came back. But he's big on AEW Dark. He's a very popular character on there. He went against Joey, and Joey ended up winning. And then we had a pretty good match between Private Party and the Dark Order number three and four. I'm pretty sure three and four is jo yeah, it's John Silver and Alex Reynolds. By the way, on um, being the elite, I just want to give props, even though it annoys me still that they kind of 
even though it's not supposed to be canon or whatnot, they put a lot of their storyline efforts on being the elite. Uh, but John Silver is fucking hilarious. He's a really funny dude. So I just wanted to put that out there. But uh, Private Party went against them. And uh, they had a pretty good match from what I remember. Uh, but th- the winners were Private Party. So the pre-show matches, Chris, just real quick, anything that you want to say about them, I honestly don't remember that much about either match. I'll be I honest. Thought, I thought it start. I I, th- I thought it started out like pretty, pretty solid with that private party match, um, and all of the Dark Order. They have some solid tag teams in that faction, which seems weird because there's so many people in that faction. But they had a pretty good match here to start the show, and kind of got me hyped for, for the rest of the show. And then, uh, yeah, I guess we'll we'll get there. <laughs> Well, the next match, the first one on the main card, something that was actually originally going to be on the pre-show, uh, but apparently Tony Khan got some flack and uh, pushed this onto the main show. Um, so that's actually Joey Janela and Serpentico was not supposed to happen. Um, I don't know what that would have meant for the time of the main matches, but they put a shorter match, but the tooth and nail match between Big Swole and Dr. Britt Baker. Guys, there was everything. There was anger. There was love. There was passion. There was almost murder at one point. Uh, This was another match that, during this time period, WWE has done a bunch. They're doing two at AEW, not like WWE. But I just don't need all these segmented movie matches. And the funniest part, honestly, so Big Swole goes to Dr. Britt Baker's, um, her uh, dentist practice. And she comes there. Reba has a mask on. She's behind the desk and asking who, who the person is checking in. She's Big Swole. Reba goes to let Britt Baker know that Big Swole has shown up. Uh, and she beats the crap out of Reba and then goes after Britt Baker. And they have this one cool scene uh, where, you know, Dr. Britt Baker has her mask on and she's kind of like watching, you know, in another room uh, waiting for Big Swole to come so she can come and get her. Basically, this match was fucking awful. I don't know why I'm trying to like go that elaborately into the whole entire thing. Big Swole at one time went into a room and for some reason there was a drill and blood trickled down the hallway. They were trying to go for a horror vibe. It just came off goofy as shit. And by the end of it, it all became her trying to drill her at one point, which, uh, okay, I, I didn't know that we were going to go that way on ha- trying to learn or trying to win a match, I should say. Uh, but, you know, I thought Britt Baker was going to win this. Britt Baker is one of the, you know, I would say bigger female wrestlers on the roster. I like Big Swole, I do. Uh, but when the match comes down to anesthesia and accidentally stabbing herself in the leg and Fucking Reba's got a goddamn banana peel on her head, and it was just ridiculous. And I was tired already by the first uh, match. And Big Swole won, uh, so also doesn't make a lot of sense. I guess this is done. Can we get Britt Baker in a bigger prominent role in the women's division? Can we get the women's division in a bit bigger prominent role? Um, Just in general. But uh, I thought this was dumb. Uh, what'd you think, Chris? Fucking sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I don't give WWE a pass, so I'm not giving AEW a pass. This fucking sucked. The finish was Novocaine and laughing gas. 
Like this reads like a WCW 2000 Monday Nitro review. If you just read the breakdown of this match, uh, there was nothing to me. This did nothing for anyone in the match. Uh, you've had Britt Baker being this heel for six months, and then you put her in this dentistry match, and she loses by stabbing herself with Novocaine. Am I fucking up the finish, or that is what happened, right? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. She knocked herself out. You, you know how much I hated that Bray Wyatt-Braun match? <laughs> this this was worse than that. <laughs> oh, God. So, I'm just going to be honest with you guys. As we, as we continue. Because the next match I actually liked. This whole pay-per-view... To me, at least. And to a lot of people that I respect that usually like a lot of the stuff that AEW does. This has to be one of the weakest pay-per-views. And the fact that it's supposed to be, you know, this was the WrestleMania. All Out was last year. Before The year before that, it was All In. Which, even though it wasn't AEW, kind of started this whole entire thing off. And even though I had problems and issues when I looked at the card of All Out last year. Had some issues with it. I think the best shows that they have produced, if, if we're not counting All In because it's not AEW, then Double or Nothing, the first one was a fucking awesome show. But I just, this is supposed to be the cream of the crop, and I didn't get that from there. And we'll go, we'll go through all the matches. I'm just, I guess, trying to apologize, because I'm not, kind of like what Chris is saying, I'm, if WWE does something that annoys me, I'm going to mention it. That still fucking works with AEW. It still works with New Japan. It still works with Impact. It still works for NXT. Any platform. So I'm just giving you my honest opinion. I'm not biased. I like good wrestling. There's a lot of people that want to fucking fight over NXT ra- NXT's ratings this week compared to AEW's ratings. And this is the post I put on one thing. If you are someone that is only WWE or only AEW, and that is your realm of thinking, Jump off a mountain and please make it better for all of us fucking people that want to just be wrestling fans. I mean, you can pick a small mountain so you don't get hurt or anything like that. I don't fucking care what you do. But I'm not going to act like this was what I thought I was getting, basically. Uh, Chris, do you have a similar or how do you feel about that whole entire thing? I I mean, I think if you're just diehard one brand or the other, just don't bother looking up anything on the other brand. I don't think they need to jump off a mountain. but It's so much fun to talk shit, apparently. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I had a similar feel. I mean, this to me, as we were talking about before the show, was easily AEW's weakest pay-per-view. Um, and I did pay for this pay-per-view and all of their pay-per-views thus far, su- supporting the arts of wrestling, some might say. Yep. Um, but yeah, this was not good by any means. I mean, there was some highlights here and there which we'll get into but overall as a pay-per-view um this sucked in fact if i was comparing it to payback i would say i would have much rather had paid for to see payback (laughs) i would have to sadly agree with you but i did think payback was a solid show and this one was uh, a bit of a letdown uh but i think that the next match that we're about to talk about was a good match um I think it could have been something you've seen off of Dynamite, uh, to be honest with you. But Jurassic Express went against the Young Bucks. This thing was in place because of the match they had 
against uh, SoCal Uncensored and um, God damn it, Private Party, uh, in which there was a four-way tag and the winners, those two tag teams would go against each other. So during that, Young Bucks were kind of dicks. And during this, Young Bucks were kind of dicks. Now, Marco Stunt's an annoying fuck, and he bothers the hell out of me. And he's supposed to, you know, especially in these matches, even though <laughs> even though Luchasaurus and uh, Jungle Jack Perry are very, very babyface, he likes to start shit. Well, he got kicked in the face, and I kind of like that. When that happened, when Matt Jackson gave him a super kick, sweet chin music, whatever the hell you call it, it was actually, uh, I popped for that. So I'll, I'll give him that. But this was a good match. Um, I think I've seen these guys produce better matches, though, before in the past. But, you know, it's 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 a standard match that you see both guys doing everything. The biggest difference was Young Bucks weren't fucking around. They are now intense. Like, they're going to fucking super kick Alex Marvez. And then we're going to see Road Warrior Buck making an angry face afterwards. But we'll get to Dynamite. Uh, but it's a pretty good match. Good tag match. Very much a, a Young Bucks match, I guess you could say. Uh, but just a fun tag team match. Young Bucks ended up winning. What did you think about this, Chris? I thought it was fine. The Young Bucks definitely needed to get a win here. I, I tend to agree with you. I think that they've had better matches in the past uh, together. Or against each other, I should say. Um I like that they built the storyline of obviously the Young Bucks got screwed, so they're kind of, let's say, runners up in this whole thing. And this is just the match they're a part of, realistically, because of what, you know, Hangman did to them to cost them what the number one contendership. That son of a bitch. But then on Dynamite, which we'll get to, now they're also heel. <laughs> so I have no fucking idea. Um, still another critique with uh, Luchasaurus, the the wheel kick, that slow ass wheel kick. It's it, at this point, um, he misses the thing so often. It's not it's cool when he connects with it, but it's definitely like Braun running into the ring post a little bit where I'm just like, stop, dude, you're so big. Why are you doing this? Um, dude, I agree with you. I agree with you completely. But on that note, I don't know if you realize this. I was so much happier with his performance on dynamite because when he got to have his little comeback, he chose a pump kick. He chose like a punch, you know, he was acting like a big man. He did that giant choke slam off the top ropes. That's how I want to see him approach himself. Like those fucking him trying to do Alistair black's black mass spin kicks. Just, they got to stop unless he gets it quick enough. So it doesn't look so goddamn, uh, you know, contrived. Yeah, or if he doesn't throw, like, six of them in one match, right? Exactly, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I had the same notes on, on Dynamite. I was like, hell yeah, dude, he's just open-hand chopping people like he's the giant or the, you know, or the big show, I should say, where he's just open-hand palm-slapping the shit out of these little guys, which makes more sense with his character. But uh, I think Jungle Jack looked good in this match. It was a... It was a Young Bucks match. If you like Young Bucks match, you'll love this match. This would be one, I would say, if you're going to watch this pay-per-view. This one's worth a watch. It was a little just kind of there to me, like I said, because I think we've seen, one, we've definitely seen way better Young Bucks matches. um, Yeah. But but two, we've seen better matches between these teams. So that's, yeah, that's the only, yeah. 
Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, but yeah, that's that's the whole thing. It's just weird having the Young Bucks and then the the first opening match match, not that fucking dentistry bullshit that we went through beforehand. Um, but this is going to be their year. I think they're going to climb. Obviously, I'm just. I still have some comments about their, I guess, heel turn when we get to Dynamite. Um, Battle Royal was next. Battle Royal, uh, I like that they do the Royal Rumble-esque thing. You know, the the big Battle Royal with different people coming out at different times. Uh, they do 21, obviously, because they're doing like a, a theme um, that they've always done with cards and, and whatnot. Uh, and it's, 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 it's fun, but, it, you know, but Battle Royals are clusterfucks. And I hate to say this, you know, WWE with their Royal Rumbles, it can get kind of clustery, but they really seem like they they work out a lot of the stuff, like, you know, in between to make it action-packed. This they release five people every, I think, three minutes, I believe is what it is. And there's four sets. So there's clubs, diamonds, obviously, hearts, spades, and then a joker card. And um, the same type of thing. We have the clubs. Uh, which was Trent Beretta, Christopher Daniels, Jake Hager, The Blade, and Ray Phoenix. So the fact that you have now these factions, people sometimes come in together, sometimes they don't, like Jake Hager. There was no one that came in with him, or even Christopher Daniels, no one from SCU. Uh, Diamonds, you had Frank Kazarian, Will Hobbs making a, a show on this, and I, I really was impressed by him. I like Will Hobbs. I, I've seen him a couple times. On AEW Dark, he's a big dude, and I like to see him and Brian Cage tear tear shit up later on. But uh, uh, Chuck Taylor, Santana, and Ortiz, who I mean, immediately went for Chuck Taylor and Trent Barretta, just beat the living shit out of him. Um, and then the Hearts, which is Billy Penta L Zero M. Which, uh, if you guys are wondering what happened to Pentagon, he's having now uh, rights issues. I don't know if it's with CMLL, if it's, it's probably with AAA. But this happened to him beforehand where he had to go by that until he straightened it out so he can go back to Pentagon. So whatever, you know, uh, you know, Pentagon L0M. I'm just going to call him Pentagon. <laughs> but anyways, it was him, Billy. Um, oh, yeah, we can't say Billy Gunn. But Billy Gunn, Ricky Starks, Brian Cage, and Darby Allen. And then the last one was Sean Spears, Eddie Kingston, The Butcher, Sonny Kiss, and Lance Archer. We'll go into the Joker in a second because it's kind of uh, fitting, unfortunately. Um, but, yeah, like I said, this match was kind of a clusterfuck. And I think that me and you, we had a couple people that we, we thought could be key. You know, I think that we mentioned Darby, maybe. Lance Archer, maybe. Eddie Kingston, maybe. And that kind of goes into more stuff. Brian Cage, I mean, Penta. I think might have been both of our choices, but it looks like they might be going a singles run with Penta. I don't know. Like I said, we're not dynamite, but uh, this was this was fine. Um, I think the two biggest things, Chris, that happened in this to talk about. Uh, so at one part, Darby Allen knocks out Ricky Starks. So Ricky is furious. Brian Cage takes down Darby Allen in the ring. Ricky grabs a body bag and a little baggy of something and usually you know what the fuck that baggie of something is so he takes darby pours a bunch of thumbtacks from that baggie like i said into the fucking body bag puts darby in the body bag 
which, hey, look, I know this is probably Darby's idea. Um, and Brian Cage took him and powerbombed him onto the ramp to eliminate him. And it was gnarly. The way he fell looked terrible. I was hoping that he was holding his eyes. You know, Ricky Starks immediately went kind of mafia style to like get his head outside the bag. But I think that was obviously like to get him a little bit out of the fucking bag. Uh, God damn it, Darby Allen. Like, seriously, like a little bit unnecessary. And I know I'm not going to blame Brian Cage because you're fucking throwing a goddamn body bag with someone that's like, a buck sixty, you know what I'm saying? A buck seventy. Like I can't tell exactly how much Darby Allen weighs, but it can't be a lot. And he gave him a power bomb and Darby just looked like he didn't land that great. There's tax in the fucking bag. Uh so he he had off. Remember Sonny Kiss is actually the one who fucking eliminated Lance Archer that would play into their match. Um but when it came down to the end of it. We had Lance Archer, and we had Matt Seidel. Matt Seidel was the Joker. And poor Matt Seidel. I like Matt Seidel. I think or Evan Bourne, he's a great high flyer. Um, it's funny he does the shooting uh, star press because he's always kind of reminded me a little bit of Billy Kidman uh, to an extent. Uh, except at least his position, his high flyer, all that type of stuff. And... He's done the fucking shooting star a million goddamn times. And Will Hobbs gets knocked out in the ring, set up perfectly for him to go off the top. And there's sweat all over the goddamn, you know, there's, there's, it's a battle royal. There's people that are sweating all over the turnbuckles. And this poor bastard goes up to try to do it and just falls on his fucking head and neck. Will Hobbs immediately goes to try to, like, make sure he's okay, uh, which is big on him. And. You know, he's taking it pretty well, but people are comparing this to the Shockmaster, um, you know, as far as like, oh, oh, shit. You know, I don't know if it's that level bad, but it was pretty bad way to enter, you know, your AEW start, if you will, uh, especially you're, you're the Joker. Because they could have put they could have put fucking Rusev in that place, Miro, because he joins the company the next or two nights later. And dynamite, but you know they chose Evan Bourne uh, and Matt Seidel, whatever you want to call him, and he fucked it up. And at the end, it was Lance Archer, Will Hobbs, Brian Cage, um, Matt Seidel, and Eddie Kingston, I believe, was like the last couple people. And at one part, Brian Cage, which Taz was on commentary, bitching because Ricky already got eliminated. Brian's having a battle with with uh, Will Hobbs. On the apron, bad choice. Lance Archer knocks them both the fuck out. It really became between Eddie Kingston and Lance Archer after Matt Saddell was uh, taken out of the match. And Eddie, which will be noted when we talk about Dynamite, a lot of stuff you guys got to wait, obviously, because this was the after show for this pay-per-view. But um, Eddie went underneath the, uh, the middle rope. So me and Chris, I think we said Pentagon or Eddie Kingston, really. I think Lance Archer was still in the conversation though when we talked about it. But uh, Lance Archer ended up eliminating Eddie Kingston, throwing him on his two compadres, the Butcher and I think Ray Phoenix, and knocked him out. But technically, he didn't go over the top rope, so, you know, whatever. But Lance Archer now has the win. And I think the biggest problem, I didn't notice this, but a lot of people did. If Lance Archer wins, it kind of choreographs the ending of who's going to win you know, the world title. Cause you think that fucking MJF 
is going to go against Lance Archer. That doesn't make any goddamn sense. Uh, Eddie Kingston would have done the same thing in my head, too. But um, Battle Royal was fine. It's a Battle Royal. It becomes a clusterfuck. You know, there wasn't a lot of, like, cool, unique spots or anything like that. It was just them doing their thing. Um, and, uh, you know, it was whatever. Really feel bad for Matt Seidel. Didn't like the Darby Allen spot. This would not be a fun trend when we get to the Matt Hardy, Sammy Guevara match. Uh, as far as safety of a wrestler, even if it was his idea. Things can get turned down if you want. But uh, it wasn't as egregious. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I just, uh, it, it was there. What do you think, Chris? I think they made Eddie Kingston's group look like a bunch of chumps right off the rip after building that faction. In the way that they got eliminated and the fact that there's five of them in the ring. And I guess Eddie Kingston was in there at the end and technically is still not eliminated, which is always a terrible gimmick. I don't know why people do this. Um, I, I guess what's, what's he going to do? Fight Lance Archer? That doesn't seem good for him. Um I want a three-way. <laughs> what, Lance Archer, Eddie Kingston, and Brian Cage? No, 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 no. And, and Moxley. Three-way for the title. Hardcore. Three of them just beating the shit out of each other. Blood everywhere. You know. Uh, I, I mean, the thing about the Matt Seidel spot, it was gnarly as hell. I don't know if he slipped or just fucked up. or I'm not going to blame it on ring sweat. He slipped because... on sweat. It's it, Dude, it sucks. But, you know, shit happens. And after that, he totally lost his confidence. So, like, every other spot was also not great involving Matt Seidel. And he's, a, I mean, he's a good wrestler, so it's not, it, it's kind of a weird one. But that that definitely sucks as far as that's your, that's your intro. Also, I don't know that Matt Seidel is a bigger name than Miro in whatever the hell storyline they have him in, which yeah. I think is just about Twitch. So we'll get into that later. But the rest of the Battle Royal was just, I mean, it, it's a Battle Royal. I mean, the thing that makes the Royal Rumble special is, yes, it's a Battle Royal, but it's the countdown of the entrance, and you always get the surprise. It's also 30 men. Um, you get to see some legends. It's just better. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the, the Casino Battle Royal, but it's it the way they booked it this year with having a whole group of five people for instance, <laughs> in there, um, two of which are just tag teams. So it's weird that you would put two tag teams in this match, or no, actually three if you if you include the the guns. Um, yeah, I didn't like the Darby Allen spot. I so did they ever show Darby Allen coming out of the bag with thumbtacks, or is it just a gimmick? No, well, R Ricky Stark opened up the bag and took his head out like mafia style, but I think that was actually there to like. All right, so immediately when I get fucking thrown, come over here and let me out of the goddamn thing. But, yeah. Yeah, I, yep. I, my guess with the, with the thumbtacks at the time, because we never saw him afterwards. Um, he got probably a lot, like in different places that he was. Well, I mean, he probably requested it, honestly. Well, that's what I'm saying. What if they, I mean, the thumbtacks could have just been gimmicked, right? Because they never really showed them. They just showed him dump metal objects into a bag. Dude. Dude, you know it's Darby Allen, and he's crazy. <laughs> I would definitely think that they probably weren't gimmick thumbtacks. I think he threw a bag of thumbtacks in there, and Darby was like, "Yeah, we'll just do this." And like, probably Ricky Starks and Brian Cage was like, "Wait, what?" And he's like, "It'll be fine, man. It'll be great. Big pop." I mean, maybe. I would just hope that you know, after Matt Hardy's incident, um, 
well, not even on this show, which we'll get to later, but you would think they would be doing it a little safer and trying to gimmick that thing. But I've seen him do the body bag spot before and evolve. So I wasn't too surprised. He did look like he landed awkward as hell, but it's also hard to tell because the dude's in a fucking body bag. Yeah. Um, But he was off TV this week. So at least they're selling it either way um, as far as what he went through. But I don't know. Nothing about this match was mind blowing. I like Lance Archer getting a win. Um, That kind of makes him strong after the loss to Cody. And I love his entrance into the match. He straight up ran and fucking did a, a, a running crossbody over the ropes onto like five people and took all of them out. Crazy yeah. asshole. Like like was, uh, like JR said, nuts. man, he, he said that he hasn't. And, you know, he's blowing smoke, obviously, but he said he has not seen someone this intense that enter, enters a match immediately this violently since Stan Hansen. I guess he hasn't seen Minoru Suzuki in a long time. But, uh, whatever. You know, JR said some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Minoru is that intense when he does anything. That's probably how intense Minoru Suzuki is grocery shopping. <laughs> oh, God, that's awesome. I want to watch him grocery shop now. All right, well, let's uh, let's talk about this Broken Rules match, man, because this was fucking bad. And people are already over it, which is amazing. Because, I, I mean, I'm, the thing is, like, this, this is like Democrat-Republican, Marvel-DC. It's like if you say something about AEW, you're a WWE mark, or vice versa, which is whatever. But... I just think that if Vince did something similar to this, or Triple H with NXT, whichever, and someone got concussed, and it was that visible that he obviously did not get the best doctor's uh, approval, you know, it should have been a little more thorough, and there's no reason for him to fucking climb up a riser regardless after that. And then you make the wrestler come on TV and apologize for scaring his fans. Tony won't admit that he had a fucking concussion, even though his wife says the exact opposite. I'm going to go with Rebby on this. And like I said, if this happened with someone else, shit, if Scott DeMore did it with Impact, people would want him on a fucking pike. But since it's Tony goddamn Khan, they get a pass with this. And basically, if you didn't see the match, you know, uh, Matt Hardy and Sammy were fighting in the back. They were over by the arena, just you know, beating the crap out of each other, starting this match. It obviously was going to inevitably end up over by the ring because there is a riser over by all their, their equipment and stuff like that. And there was some tables set up, obviously, for a spot. Very similar to Shane McMahon, you know, Steve Blackman-style shit back in the day. But before they got there, there was a couple tables selling masks and merch to the 15% of the people there, whatever. Uh, But they had this on these tables, and there was two sets of them. And then there was a high-riser, you know, a uh, – I forget what the hell they're called. But um, they're on it. They lift it all the way up. Matt's the one controlling to go how far. And Matt Hardy is going to suplex Sammy through these two tables off this thing. Well, Sammy reverses it, and then Matt is in peril, and Sammy goes spear him. I'm not blaming this on Sammy. I'm sorry. After the last thing, yeah, a little bit of inexperience on him, freaking out, grabbing a random chair that was way too fucking hard and, and tossing it, all that shit. This time, 
this was just shit happens, and they overshot the fucking tables. That that riser should have been a little bit further out from where it was, and Matt Hardy just fucking his head just hit the goddamn concrete, and it was so scary watching this because he went completely limp. Aubrey's freaked the fuck out. You can tell that she is scared. She throws up the goddamn X. Sammy's trying to kind of be in character while this is going on, and they kind of try to continue the match because Matt, when he comes to, tells her he's fine. When someone is concussed, or if, if we're supposed to act like there wasn't a concussion, hurt that badly where they're knocked and rendered unconscious, they do not have the ability, realistically, because they're on auto- autopilot to fucking say whether or not they can continue a goddamn match or not. So Sammy, since he says that, he tries to like basically kind of take Matt towards that spot to finish the fucking match because this match, Matt Hardy's career's on the line. Now, it really wouldn't have mattered if they fucking did it. They could have found something. It's wrestling. But that was the whole point, I guess. So finally, they get to Dr. Sampson when Matt is not able to walk. When Sammy's even holding him up, he can't fucking just walk straight. And they stop the match. And Sammy Hardy or Sammy gets all pissed off and he's like yelling at Matt Hardy, call him a, a bitch, obviously in character, to try to like get over this. And they take Sammy towards the ring. And then, you know, we think the match is over. Tony Schiavone's talking about it, you know, Jim Ross are all concerned. Um I hope he's okay. Excalibur, all of them, I hope he's okay. And then they start the matchup again. Apparently the doctor which I've heard from many past wrestlers, uh, a lot of them who have, you know, done a lot of concussion-related stuff. Uh, Matt Morgan, for instance, who had a bunch of different concussions. He worked with Christopher Nowinski. He's a fucking mayor for a city and shit like that. He was saying that there's there's no way to evaluate a concussion decently in that amount of fucking time. And to okay the match and allow Matt Hardy afterwards just go to the ending even though the match at that point completely was obliterated, none, none of the things that they could have done, they were going to be able to do. They could have ended it, good reasoning, people would have been okay with it, and then went from there. Instead, they let fucking Matt Hardy, who was concussed, go up a goddamn high-riser to chase Sammy Guevara to be able to push him off onto tables. Tony Khan is the man who is on the mic talking to people. He is in grill position. So he was the one communicating with Aubrey. He was the one communicating with with the doctor. And whoever fucked up, someone fucked up. Uh, Brevy was not happy when this was happening. I'm not going to go into her tweets. She's obviously made amends, I guess, with the whole situations. Uh, but Matt definitely got a concussion. He got fucking driven to the goddamn hospital. Uh, she said he got a concussion. Tony told everyone that he was fine. And he was leaving, like, the hospital during the uh, media scrum afterwards. I thought it was very unprofessional from AEW. That was very unprofessional for fucking Tony Khan. You know, if you fuck up, admit it. There shouldn't have been no him continuing any match. Climbing up, apparently, altitude, even if you go up a little bit and you just got a concussion, he could have passed out like that, from what Matt was saying, from what when he worked with Chris Nowinski on and learned a lot about concussions and stuff like that. It was all dangerous. It was stupid. I don't blame his son, Sammy. I don't blame it on Matt Hardy, and I don't know why he was apologizing. But we'll get to that with Dynamite. It just pissed me off. And I think that people, even now, are calmed down by it. It's fine. He didn't get hurt, so now it's not a big deal. Really, if it came to anyone else, especially Vince, 
let's be honest, they would want his fucking blood. And since it's Tony, and this is the cool, you know, SJW fucking style shit uh, of entertainment towards those type of fans. I'm not talking about all AEW fans, but those ones that like the bitch on Twitter and shit. Tony can do no wrong. And that's how I feel about it. I'm not saying my co-host does, but it was gross. It was it sh- When I watched Matt Hardy's head hit the goddamn concrete and be completely, like, stiff, like... It ruined a lot of stuff that would happen after that. It really did. And I didn't need him apologizing for it. Chris, what do you think? I mean, I have to agree with pretty much everything you said. Um, Also, I have no hatred towards Rebby at all for the tweets that she put out. I feel like as a concerned sibling, watching that, or a concerned wife or husband, watching something like that happen, you have every right in the entire world to call everyone fucking idiots, especially if you... We're in the same profession for a long period of time, right? Uh, so from that standpoint, anyone who has like got mad at Rebby for saying everyone in the building's fucking idiots, during that match, everyone in the building was fucking idiots. Like they should not have let that continue. When he hit his head on the ground, the very first thing I thought about when I saw it was when New Jack cracked his skull open and had like brain fluid and shit leaking. Um, so it's a very, very scary thing. We've recently had deaths related to concussion in, um, issues in in uh, Mexico. You would think they would take this a little bit more serious. Tony Khan being involved with the Jacksonville Jaguars and how serious the NFL has started to take concussions to some extent. You would think they would have just been smarter about this. Even if there was the just the thought alone that this guy got knocked loopy. Uh, you probably should have just called the fucking match. And yes, I agree. He he shouldn't have been apologizing. I, I He was more apologizing to the fans because he didn't have the match he wanted to have, which just shows you how much of a fucking competitor he is. But sometimes you have to tell a competitor no. You know what I mean? <laughs> There's a reason why you have technical knockouts in boxing. Like at some point you have to look at the guy and just say, Look, we appreciate the heart you have, but it's not okay for you to go out there. Um, I think Aud- Audrey Edwards did the right thing by immediately throwing up the X yes. after that spot. But, I mean, what are you going to do if your boss and the doctor says, hey, it's fine? So, I mean, from the top down, this was very a very bad look it, for any wrestling company. If this happened anywhere me and you would would shit talk it the same way we're shit talking this. And I wouldn't mm-hmm. even call it I wouldn't even call it shit talking honestly. I would I would just say use common sense knowing what we know about concussions at this point. I agree with you. All right, so um this what sucks is that this next match I watched the second time. I watched all the championship matches because honestly those are the ones I like the most. Um but this got ruined by the fucking, you know, thing I just watched with Matt Hardy. And we had the AEW Women's Champion, Chip. We had Thunder Rosa, the NWA Champion, going against Hikaru Shida, the AEW Champion for her belt. And basically, they had a damn good match. I think both me and you agreed. Sheena Deeb, she had great chemistry with Thunder Rosa. It's not that I don't think Hikaru Shida... Did or did not, but 
there was probably a little bit of language issues and stuff like that. She just looked uh, not as loose as she usually does. Uh, but, I mean, still, these ladies beat the hell out of each other. Uh, I, uh, Thunder Rosa's last match, the one that JR almost said, this is the greatest match in AEW, but then realized, like, oh, shit, neither one of these ladies are sound. <laughs> stopped himself. Uh, I thought that this was also a pretty damn good match. I'm glad Thunder Rosa's coming back. Um, I'm surprised Deeb didn't get fucking signed. Like, I like Ty Conti, but, like, what the fuck? She has one of the best fucking female matches and has so much experience. But whatever, that's not about this. But uh, these these ladies just beat the living hell out of each other. And towards the end, the ending part was Rosa hits a big slam for a near fall. She gets Sheeta up for an airplane spin of some kind, but Sheeta reverses and rolls Rosa up for another near fall. Two big elbow strikes and another near fall from Sheeta. Backbreaker this time leads to Sheeta again, only getting a two count. Sheeta fires up and calls for her running knee strike finisher. She hits it. One, two, three. Sheeta wins and retains the AW Women's Championship in a great match, which JR is quick to say as soon as the bell sounds. I like this match. JR liked this match. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a good match. Even if Sheeta was off, she's still fucking awesome. And dude, just. When Rosa, I, I forgot what she did in the match, uh, but she she did something. She got knocked for a loop, and she kicked out. And when it went back to her, she had this giant smile on her face. She has so much goddamn charisma, and I hope she chills with the NWA title. She is, I believe it's on the line next week. When she, uh, I think that's what they said on AEW. Uh, but, yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited about that, man. Uh, winner, Hikido Shida, still women's champion. Uh, the only problem with this match is that towards the middle of it, I was like, dude, I want Thunder Rosa to win. I want her to win. I want her to win. And it didn't happen. She is still a badass. What do you think, Chris? I, I figured they were either going to go time limit draw or Sheeta was going to win going into this. I think that was my prediction. Um, just because we the NWA thing was up in the air. I'm glad they actually did promote the NWA title and the fact that she's going to be defending it. So that's cool. Um, this was probably my favorite match on the, on the show. If I'm being completely honest, it it didn't have any, there was no gimmicks on this match. This was just a fucking wrestling match and it was really, really good. It's not Sheeta's best match, but Thunder Rosa looked like a million bucks. And I mean, like I said, it was probably my favorite match of the night. Um, I'm probably going to get some heat for that, but whatever. Don't really care. It was, it was definitely... If not my favorite, it was in, the, I mean, the top three, basically. I don't know exactly which one. Like I said, the three championship matches, I think all were pretty excellent matches. There were things that, with all three of them, that I had a little bit of issue with, but this one definitely was the least. So I'll say this is probably my second favorite match, but it's definitely, it was a solid match, man. And honestly, it's, they need they need Thunder Rosa on their roster. They need Deeb on their roster, and they need to sign fucking Tessa Blanchard and quit being bitches. So we need some fucking we need <laughs> I, some wrestlers. I will say this. I also had the same thought as you um, about the Matt Hardy stuff. It did kind of put me in a little bit of a funk, especially not knowing if he was okay until Tony gave the breakdown, I guess, after this match, which even that wasn't like 100% he's okay based on what Reddy was saying on Twitter at the oh, time. Oh, my favorite. My favorite was the second one that he said where he basically was like, yeah, it was all the doctor. The doctor is the one who cleared it. Like, yeah, so 
It's like, dude, take some fucking responsibility, Tony. Jesus fucking Christ. Not Tony Schiavone, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I agreed. I mean, you're you're the guy calling the shots at the end of the day. I mean, Vince would be the guy getting the heat for this if this happened on in WWE, right? So absolutely. Um, it's weird to say that WWE seems to treat concussions more seriously than AEW after this match. If 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 you look at some of the stuff with Alexa Bliss in the past, and how quick they go to finishes when shit like that happens, but um, said. Uh, yeah, that put a little haze on it. So I, I did go back and watch the, the end of the show again, similar to you. I think you watched the entire thing, but I did go back and I, so I have watched this twice and the sheet of matches was still my favorite after watching it twice. And I think some of it's just based around some of the storytelling they decided to go with in what otherwise would have been a great tag team match and a great championship match to some extent. And I have no issue with Sheeta. I think she's great. I think that she's an awesome wrestler. But Thunder Rosa, man, she's got a lot of personality. Like, holy shit. Do you think it's weird, though, that they have three wrestlers? I think they should all be on a tag team together that have, like, the, the side half of their face painted up between Darby Allen, Dustin, and her. <laughs> yeah, that would be a great. She did. They just all gonna join the nightmare family. <laughs> Hang out. Yeah, with exactly. Sure. Just throw them on a tag team together. Fuck it. Um. All right. So we had a little promo for Kip Sabian. Uh, him and Penelope Ford are getting married, and this is all like to announce that they're that his best man. He was gonna announce who was gonna be on Dynamite, and we'll get to that obviously, as I keep on <laughs> saying. Sorry about that. Um, and to promote his Twitch channel that I don't think anyone knew existed, but it was to take a shot at WWE, which most of the times I think is petty with this. I've actually thought it was uh, pretty funny and I thought it was awesome that he put up the information and then we had AEW said, AEW supports wrestlers that use third party providers or something like that. So I, uh, I, I kind of laughed. Uh, what'd you think about it, Chris? I'm. Chris, until this point where they decided to. Hey, can you not hear me? You 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 dropped out for like a split second, but you're fine now. Okay, no, I was just gonna say uh, I don't give a shit about Kip, Kip Sabian because they've not had him on the main product in months. So I knew this storyline was gonna be something. Um, as far as them making taking a shot at, at WWE on this, I have absolutely no problem with it because I think that third party shit is. Really ridiculous when you start talking about independent contractors in general and what they want to do in their free time. Yeah, I have to agree with you uh, completely. Um, all right, so the next match, we have the Dark Order, which was the combined efforts of uh, Brody Lee, the TNT champion, who I found out, Chris... The reason why he didn't apparently compete for the title is because they are treating that like the TV championship, and it's only going to be, I guess, on Dynamite for defending. Uh, but he was with Colt Cabana and then uh, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson going against the Natural Nightmares, which obviously is QT Marshall and Dustin Rhodes, and Matt Cardona and Scorpio Sky. Um don't remember a lot of this match unfortunately i didn't watch it a second time uh i remember 
that it was kind of a clusterfuck until Dustin came in. And then you're like, dude, Dustin is one of the best fucking guys in ring. I really kind of wish, and it's not because two other people have it. I don't give a shit. I know he's been doing face paint for a very, very long time. I kind of wish Dustin would just shed the face paint. Just be the fucking natural. Like, I loved at the end of this when he got the win. You know, he went to the back and cut that great promo with 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 uh, Tony Schiavone, and they said, "Hey, they're rewarding you. You're going to be going against uh, Brody Lee for the TNT title uh, next Dynamite." And just the way that he expressed himself was like so genuine and such a great promo, such a great in ring wrestler. His age does not it it doesn't matter. Uh, this match was whatever. At the end of it, though, Colt Cabana fucked up. Brody Lee had whoever finished. Uh, Colt wanted to get the ending part. He fucked up his move and got pinned. And Brody Lee, for the first time, showed some anger towards Colt Cabana, his, his little baby boy, and fucking pushed him on his ass and left him there. And Evil Uno, who's, who's always been a dick to him, for some reason was nice to him. So obviously they're going to fuck over Cocobana. I don't know why he's actually been put with these guys. The the Dark Order, it's like they're up and down. Some of the, the, the stuff they do on Being the Elite is hilarious. It's goofy as hell. But sometimes it doesn't help it when it comes to what, what they did to Cody was like so like, whoa. It really helped them get back to like a place of being a threat. And I think they kind of threw that away a bit. And also, Mark, Matt Cardona, who isn't signed officially with AEW. He's got a limited contract. Hope he stays there. But at the same time, motherfucker hasn't said one goddamn promo at all since being there. And I don't think he was that memorable. I think the two people that stole the show were Dustin and Scorpio Sky, which is understandable, uh, besides Brody Lee. Um, but that was the match. And the winners were the Natural Nightmares, Matt Cardona and Scorpio Sky, giving Mr. Dustin Rhodes a chance to go against Brody Lee for the TNT title on the next Dynamite. What did you think about this? This was, to me, was a filler match, something you could have put on TV. I don't have a huge problem with that, except for there was a lot of stuff I was already down on on the pay-per-view itself. I liked Dustin getting the win, and I liked the promo we cut afterwards. Um... It didn't really matter. I don't know how many times they can go to the well with he's the old dog who's going to get a title shot uh, before it gets kind of tired or he's defending his brother because that's all they've done with him since he came to the company. If you're going to do it, he eventually has to win the damn title or win a title of some sort, right? Yep. Because otherwise you just stop caring. Um, And... I, lo- I love Dustin. It's just, I-, I agree. I think he could drop the face paint at this point. Maybe he will once the Nightmare family is done, if they're going that route. But uh, he looked good in this match. I think Brody Lee's looked good in the past three matches he's been in. And, um, yeah, it's just weird. It's it's To me, with Dark Order, a lot of things that fans complain about with 50-50 booking, you can apply to Dark Order because they lose a lot of these matches where they're in there as a team. Do you think that it was stupid, even if Cole Cabana took the pin, that you just have Brody Lee beat Cody the way he did and then lose the fucking four-on-four match a couple nights later at the pay-per-view? Didn't understand the booking. Logic. 
yes. <laughs> I, I have to agree with you. I mean, because you made Brody look like a monster and then his team lost. And that's what I was saying about the 50-50 booking. You have Brody come out and he gets a strong win. And then the next thing you see from the Dark Order, he's in a match with these guys and they lose. Whether it's a three-way or a four-way, it's just a weird way. Of- and there's three other biggest people in the group, too. Cole Cabana, Evil Uno, and fucking Stu Grayson. I didn't get it. Yeah, I mean, it does it does nothing for the, those guys at all. And Matt Cardona, I mean, obviously, it seems like they're walking a tightrope with him on what they're actually going to do with him and whether he's going to click with that audience or not, which might might not be a bad idea, honestly. I just expected more from, one, his debut, and two, what the company would have done with a guy that, to me, has some WWE cred, and now he's getting kind of surpassed when you bring in someone like Rusev. So, fuck if I know what they're doing with that guy. Yeah. All right, so the next match was the Tag Team Championship match. Uh, we had Adam Hangman Page and Kenny Omega, the champions, going against FTR. Uh, and this is a pretty damn good match, man. I, I, I like I like the concept of the story. I thought they did a good job building this up. FTR basically just used the fuck out of Adam Page to make him fuck over the Young Bucks by getting in his head and saying, Hey, man. You know, if it gets down to it, we lose, and you have to go against the Young Bucks, you'll probably beat them, but they beat you, then, you know, you're behind the Young Bucks again. And that commits Paige to do a stupid decision and, and fuck them over, which honestly, blo- blocking a Meltzer driver when the other person is the one who actually can pin someone inside the ring, yeah, whatever, no, no need for logic. Um, but we obviously had FTR versus the two of them. Uh, my ideas obviously did not happen and pan out. Uh, we had a very hard-hitting match. Uh, Paige had to convince Kenny at the beginning to let him start it off. Um, and I thought I thought all the guys did a damn great job. Um, Paige was just nonstop. Uh, Kenny sold like a motherfucker. I mean, Dax and Cash were both working on his his left leg throughout the whole entire thing, just screwing him up, trying to make it basically so he couldn't use his two biggest things. He couldn't stand up straight to be able to do the one wing angel. He wouldn't be able to do V triggers because his knees fucked up the main knee that he has. So I like that aspect of the story. I loved the tributes that uh, FTR did, man. If it's not doing the Steiner's bulldog to Kenny on the outside, followed by Adam on the inside, you know, just anything, doing the double headbutts that the fucking, the British Bulldogs did, you know. Uh, and a lot of those things should have ended it. Uh, my biggest problem was the spike pile driver that the Brain Busters did that took two of them to be able to put out Adam Page. I love Adam Page, but first one probably should have been it. Uh, I think Kenny got involved, and that's why. And then the second one, Cash blocked him afterwards uh so they had to do a second like real quick one to be able to get him finally to be done but i thought it was a good tag match man uh the heel stuff they do in the corner distracting the referee tully getting involved i loved all that shit it's very old school it's stuff that i used to watch on television that you know used to be prominent and and and, uh now it's kind of not um but they had a really good old school match kenny sold his leg the whole entire fucking time, really well, pretending that he, you know, he got really fucked up and hurt. 
And then because Kenny, uh, they they try to do their finisher. Um, it ends up, you know, Cash keeps on moving. So Adam tries to grab him. Um, and no, no, Kenny tries to grab him. And Adam goes for his his lariat. And Kenny and Cash both duck. So he didn't hit him. And then he grabs, you know, uh, Cash. Uh, Adam does. And Kenny goes for his V-trigger and, and nails fucking Paige. So Kenny screwed up the match. And this was more than one occasion. I forgot the other time that he basically fucked over uh, Paige. He couldn't get the ending to break off the pin. And then what does Kenny do afterwards? So FTR has their titles. They leave. They're all excited. They're with Tully. And he grabs a sign and rips off the fucking sign part and is about to nail Paige with it. And we know that Kenny's been like, you know, wound up. He's about to fucking explode. He's about to, he's a tire that's about to bust. But instead, he stops and he throws it down. And, you know, Paige tries to go in for, for a handshake. He's stumbling. And Kenny just lets him fall on his fucking face. And this is where I had the problem. It's not as egregious as when Austin Aries got two finishers from fucking, um, what the hell, uh, John, John Morrison and Impact. And right afterwards, sold it like a motherfucker. As soon as the match is done, gets the fuck up, walks the fuck off like a dick. Um, no selling the finishers. Kenny kind of did the same thing. And honestly, the one thing I have to say, I know they're not actors per se. Kenny and the Young Bucks need to work on their fucking acting because it's so goddamn forced half the time. So Kenny's mad. He walks off like nothing happened to his fucking leg. He is talking to the Young Bucks, and he's like, look, I'm fucking leaving right now. And the Young Bucks are like, you can't leave the show yet. It's not done. No, I'm fucking leaving. So he goes in the goddamn cab, and he goes, you guys want to join me? You can either join me, or you can stay here. And they stayed there. And Kenny just get the fuck out of there. Like I said, especially Matt Jackson, the acting is fucking atrocious. Uh, it's it's one of the, the main things that Kenny has a problem with, although I thought he was really good with the promo with JR that we'll talk about. But the fact that he no-sold his leg, his leg was now fucking fine. I hate shit like that. It just It's like, oh, okay, all that work, and then for nothing. Like, what is that, an FU for, to FTR? Probably not, because I don't think he's like that fucking childish, but it just... It put a bad taste in my mouth, honestly. But um, I thought the match was good. I liked the match. I just hated the outcome at the end of it. Um, I don't know. Chris, what do you think? Christopher? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, you were still muted. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. I keep getting I keep getting pop ups for some reason. It's freezing the connection for whatever reason right now. But uh, yeah, so with with the finish of the match itself, um, I didn't mind the double brainbuster thing. I know they're trying to put Adam Page over strong. That didn't bother me that much. It was more just the aftermath between Kenny Omega and Adam Page. This thing they built up, this huge explosion of these tag teams. Um, and kind of what we got was Kenny just slowly turning his back on Adam Page and walking away. And when he walked away and no-sold the leg, I think that's because he knew he had to get back to that spot 
really quickly to do the next segment with the Young Bucks. That's going to be my guess because we've seen Kenny sell uh, very, very well. So I don't think it was like a fuck you or anything like that. But it, it does take you a little bit out of the match. Um, this was probably my second favorite match of the night. It's just with what they teased on AEW Dynamite, I expected a little more. And especially how long they've been going with this the storyline between Adam Page and Kenny Omega on who is going to screw who and basically for it to just be that they lost clean. And now they're both going back into singles competition with the way the promos kind of came off on AEW. I I felt like there's more they could have done with that storyline, but who am I to judge? The match itself was great. All the in-ring shit was good. I'm kind of just like you as far as the after the aftermath of the match, um, which I guess I shouldn't really put that into the match itself. So I, if I if I take that away and I just look at it as a match, it was probably the match of the night. It's just some of that stuff and, and some of the expectations I had for the match um, put it a little lower on my scale of what my favorite match of the or my match of the night was. Would you agree that one of the strongest uh, things that made this pay per view not go as, you know, not not get over, at least to you, and maybe to me as well, obviously, uh, was the fact that there weren't a lot of new angles that popped up. There was nothing that happened after a match that was crazy that set anything up. There was like, match, 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 match. There you go. And nothing else. There was nothing. I mean, I guess I'm used to, like, remember Double or Nothing when fucking Moxley came out through the crowd the first one and beat up Kenny Omega and took him onto the fucking thing and gave him, you know, the, the DDT on top of that giant chip. Like there wasn't any angle explored on their biggest WrestleMania like pay-per-view and that, and the fact that like you can have three really good matches, but you have that type of injury that happens before that kind of shuts everyone into a panic and then you don't really have any, like, there's no Cody, there's no any, like, I mean, I, they didn't have to throw everything, but Miro could have been in the fucking Battle royal for Christ's sakes. I mean, I don't know. That bothered me a bit. I think the Battle royal did a decent job of at least continuing feuds between the best friends and Pride and Powerful. Um, the Chris Jericho, Orange Cassidy thing, Ugh. I'm assuming is done now. So at least that led to a finish and you can move Chris Jericho along. Obviously, Pride and Powerful still continuing that feud because they have a, a street fight coming up with the best friends, which should be interesting. Um, trying to think of other things that continue storyline. I mean, Cheetah won the title. No, maybe maybe it wasn't so much continue storyline, but like anything like new or special or like, oh my God, you know, like there was nothing... It was the matches and the outcomes, and that was about it. There was nothing special. Well, they, I mean, they kind of booked it like WrestleMania, where it's the end of things and you're restarting. Or you're, yeah. I mean, but that's it's not really what I expected. I expected for Kenny and and Adam Page to come out of this thing with a heated feud, which maybe that's what they're going to give us. But based on the promos that we'll get into later, that's not. Seemingly not the route they're going. Probably not. All right. Well, the next match, the Mimosa. Um, what was it? What the fuck is it called, Chris? 
The Mimosa oh, Mayhem. Mimosa match. Mayhem? <laughs> yeah. The Demo God, Jer- Jericho, went against Freshly Squeezed Orange Cassidy. Um, I don't remember this match that much at all, honestly. I think I was checked out during this, and I knew there was two more matches left, and I was looking forward to one, and this one was there. I mean, I'm sure they had a great match, but Chris Jericho knocked, got knocked into the Mimosa, and uh, Orange Cassidy won. So, apparently, if you want some fun info, Chris Jericho got inspired by FMW, Onita's promotion, where they used to have those type of matches where you're about to fall into explosives and barbed wire, but he wanted to change it to mimosas. Um, I'm not saying that they should have done explosive barbed wire, but that would have been a fuckload more appealing, and I think the only thing I got out of this... Nothing against Orange Cassidy. I think, honestly, him with these matches with Chris Jericho at first probably really helped him out, and I think they continued to. But this one, I think, to me, I don't really care about Orange Cassidy, at least. I'm like, all right, we're over this. Can we get the fuck to the next part? It's not his fault. And I guess Chris Jericho and Hager are going to be working with trying to get over Joey Janela and fucking, uh, you know... uh, his partner, I, I can't remember the name of his partner right now, but we'll Sunny talk Kiss? about him. Or so- Sony Kiss? Sunny Kiss. And it's not Sunny Kiss so much, but I feel like Jericho's just picking people that, that Jim Cornette fucking can't stand, and he's trying to get them over. It's like, can we not have him in a fucking program with Jungle Boy? I don't know. That's just me. But this match was abysmal to me. Someone got fucking soaked in orange juice. I was tired by this point. It was a four-hour pay-per-view. So I I paid attention, but I know Jericho lost. So there you go. What do you think, Chris? This was definitely not as good as their first two matches, obviously. The gimmick got in the way quite a bit. Um, I think it makes sense for Orange Cassidy to win since he already got the last win and you're trying to put the guy over. So I didn't have a problem as far as the outcome goes. Um, it didn't seem like he had to overcome the same odds as he had to in the previous match where it was like Jake Hagar in pride and powerful, um, all gunning for this guy. And he, and he finally got the win via roll up. And I mean, I know this was supposed to be a strong win, but the finish was, I knocked a guy into orange juice or mimosa. The idea was you're going to give orange Cassidy a strong win. I mean, all he did was knock Jericho off the ropes into a vat of mimosa. I, I do like that Jericho sold it and like kind of hung out in the pool for a little bit, which is pretty funny. There's been um, a lot of great memes on uh, Twitter because of that. <laughs> but me and you both had didn't have high expectations for this match just because it was a bad. I mean, it's a, it was a bad gimmick, right? I thought it could have been funnier and it could have been way earlier in the show. All right, so the question to you, sir, is if you are in a giant tub of mimosa, do you drink it, or do you realize your butthole is in the same exact water and realize that's gross? Well, I mean, if you're Jericho, it immediately turns into tanner as soon as you hit the hit the fucking orange juice. So uh! <laughs> I, I don't think... I would drink it in this in this scenario. <laughs> well, there you go. All right. 
the last match for the championship, we had AW World Champion John Moxley going against MJF. Paradigm Shift is banned. I really like this match. Uh, there is a big problem, though, that was pointed out that I, I did kind of realize. If this is in, in front of a live audience, this could have been like, I don't know. MGF has pissed off people. But the way that things went down this match, you have Moxley bringing out who is the babyface. Bringing out fucking MJF, beating the shit out of him around the ring, stuff like that. Things start finally out. MJF gets back a little bit. He tries to get him in some submission work. Moxley overcomes that. They go outside again, which MJF has been trying to avoid. Uh, and Moxley, at one point, just throws him into the fucking post. MJF does a blade job. He's bleeding profusely. He's begging for his life for Moxley. And Moxley just braids him. There are obviously a couple spots where he thumbed him in the eye, did a couple heel-ish things. But, you know, I felt like throughout the course of this match, someone brought this up. I think it was Jim Cornette, actually, uh, that this should have been like a double turn, almost. Like, Moxley was acting like a fucking heel throughout the whole goddamn match. And MJF was coming off like a baby face. Like, um, I, I, uh, I liked it. Um, it was a fun match, but the ending, I think, is the biggest draw of attention because MJF finally calls Wardlow to distract the referee and toss him the uh, the ring so he can knock out fucking Moxley with it. And Wardlow does it, but he doesn't really throw it to MJF. He kind of stumbles it, grabs it. When he's all smiles about grabbing the ring, he looks up. Moxley is there. Moxley realized, oh shit, the fucking referee's distracted. He goes and gives him the fucking, you know, the the paradigm shift, the high elevated. I forgot what the hell New Japan calls that. Uh, the Night Rider, I believe, or some shit like that. Uh, and fucking just destroys him. One, two, three. Um, I like this match. Like I said, I mean, Mox gave fucking MJF everything and he kicked out of it. Gotch Pal Driver. He got out of the fucking sleeper hold, you know. Mox got out of his arm bar many times and was fucking selling his arm throughout the whole entire match uh, as he worked on it. I love MJF. I think that he is incredible. He's kind of like, there There are these guys. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to put um, the ultimate warrior-like gentleman. I forgot what, Warhorse. Warhorse is kind of like that because he's a throwback to like 80s baby faces that were like intense, like Sting and Ultimate Warrior, Macho Man. Um, but MJF has kind of like like Mance Warner. Mance Warner is all Dusty Rhodes. Like a lot of people compare him to Stone Cold, but like it's all Dusty Rhodes, Terry Funk, Southern Old School. MJF has that principle with heels, and he's great with it, man. He's great at bringing those elements in there. I liked his outfit. I thought it was awesome. I love that this stirs up the pot with him and Wardlow going forward. Um, I like that Moxley saw his title. Uh, honestly, I think that, that works out. Uh, I didn't notice the duh factor of Lance Archer winning the Battle Royals. So that never really phased me. I would have liked to see MJF win this. I do think that you know if you if you look at the match and the layout, it is kind of like MJF was acting like the babyface and fucking Moxley was the heel. But 
if you get over that whole entire concept, the ending was great. I loved the reaction on both of their faces. I thought that all that was brilliant. And I even love that one part where, where MJF comes up and he's got the blood around his smile and he looks like the fucking Joker when he's popping up his head. I thought they did a really good job with this. This is a fun match. And the only problem was I was tired. <laughs> and this is the end. I had to go rewatch this. And I liked it a hell of a lot more. But I thought this was a pretty damn good match. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to find out what happens with MJF. But he should have that title sometime soon. What do you think, Chris? I did notice, like, the fact that, to me, the fact Lance Archer won. And I kind of knew what was the what the finish was going to be, but that, I think that was my prediction: is that Wardlow versus MJF will probably happen before MJF wins the title. I mean, I, I think I've been going with the Sean Diesel theory of this for a long period of time, and based oh, on yeah. of Dynamite, that seems like where they're going. Let me um, ask you a question based on that, though. Now that you mentioned the Sean Diesel thing, Sean Diesel was almost a year in the making that they built it up, and finally had Diesel go after Sean. Another comparison I think you could say is Batista and Triple H, where they finally had Batista go off on him almost like what, three years? What I'm asking is, should they kind of marinate now that what they approached it where MJF went up, got in his face, said, you know, you're, you don't get paid by fucking Tony Khan, you get paid by me, I can put your family on the streets. Should they keep on marinating with this for another year or so and kind of like build up to it or should they just fucking blow their load with it? Well, I mean, their next pay-per-view is what three or four months away and you could have Lance Archer win the title in between there. Um, and then have the blow off between Wardlow and, and who it in. I mean, I guess it depends on if you're putting Wardlow over MJF at the end of this thing. Um, I, I don't know that I would draw this out for a year just because it's a storyline we've seen when they started adding in the financial stuff of who pays the paycheck and, and all of that, that's where it gets a bit something I'm not that into, but it, I mean, they, what they've been together almost a year now and there's always been like kind of snide comments and the way he treats Wardlow. Um, this was just very, very open when we get to that promo on Dynamite, I guess, is, is probably the primary difference. The, the match itself was really, really, really damn good. I liked the finish. I don't get the... I, I heard Jim Cornette say that as well, as far as like it could have been almost been a double turn. But Moxley's not really playing a heel. He's just playing kind of Stone Cold Steve Austin. He's just... He's fucking crazy Moxley. That's like his character. Um, and they tried to screw him out of using his finisher. They tried to interfere in the match. And then he just hit his fucking finisher and got the pin. Like, I don't know what's heelish about that. Really? So that, that comparison, I, I don't necessarily get as far as it being close to a double turn. Yeah, I, I could see that too. I think it was more probably at the beginning of the match. Um, and how it kind of went out from there, but there's no way that people are going to think that MJF's a baby face. That's the only thing that I completely disagreed with. Um, <laughs> yeah, like he's going to be a baby face when he brought out a guy to. Oh, I think we might have lost you again, buddy. Uh, I I I like the fact that the baby face outsmart outsmarted the heel. 
and got a win. And uh, I also liked the send-off with uh, Moxley at the end of the night. You know, they always have the... the... Once again, I think I lost you. Fuck. Now you're uh, back. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I was just saying I, I liked the finish. I liked the... Um... Yano pose? Not the well, the auto pose, but no, I was gonna say I liked the I liked the uh, the finish of the match, and I liked the baby face outsmarted the heel, not once but yeah. twice, right? Building up to the match, and and Moxley, uh, I I wasn't ready to see him the title get taken off of him. I think there's still more you can do with MJF to to build that character up a little bit more. And and once he has the title, I'm assuming he's gonna keep it for a long ass period of time, similar to what you know Jericho's run. Well, it's funny that you say that. We go into AEW Dynamite right now. Uh, that happened last night for us. But we have the start of it. Tony Schiavone, he is outside the uh, building. And uh, two, I think, Escalades basically like came up and parked right in front of him. Uh, he had to interview Chris Jericho and MJF. And he mentioned, you know, both of them on All Out. They kind of, like, told him to, like, fucking you know, get out of here sort of thing. And they were just giving each other compliments. Like, you know, I think it's ridiculous that you lost Orange Cassidy. Somehow he won. You are such a better man. And Jericho's like, I don't know how Moxley beat you. You should be champion right now. And they're just praising each other and smiling at each other. And we get this nice little camera of them over their heads as soon as that happens. And they both are like, fucking fucking kiss ass or some shit like that. They they said something disparaging about each other at the exact same time. And uh, even though this is completely just absolutely ridiculous, uh, you know, because of the cameras and everything, I thought it was pretty awesome. You know, um, it was funny. They were kissing each other's ass and they both fucking made, made fun of each other the exact same way at the exact same time as soon as they left the situation. So... I want to see Jericho and MJF eventually. Y2J versus MJF sounds very appealing. How'd you like this opening, Chris? Really funny. Would they both call each other idiots as they walked away? I think that's what it was. Yeah, it was something like, um, what an idiot. <laughs> but it's a it's a throwback uh, when to when MJF beat Cody. And you get the meeting of MJF and Chris Jericho in the ring and Jericho kind of extends the hand of, Hey, if you ever want to join the inner circle, like just two heels bullshitting each other. Um, so I liked it. I liked the throwback and, uh, it was just, it was a funny way to start the show between Jericho and MJF. I have to agree. All right. Well, we had a match between Jurassic Express and the Lucha Bros. This was an awesome fucking match. It was fast-paced. We've had... I think we both had issues with the Lucha Bros sometimes. Um, with the concept of Lucha Tag versus, you know, uh, American Tag, if you will. Like, basically, there's no reason that you should be able to just go under the bottom rope and the other person come in and just keep on going. You know, you actually have to have a physical fucking tag. This match proved... Uh, kind of like when they went against the Young Bucks, that they are capable of doing this. The big thing that happened, well, besides the fact that, you know, once again, 
Jungle Boy is amazing. He was able to keep up with those jump spots on the ropes with Ray Phoenix. Ray Phoenix is a fucking god at what he's able to do. He is literally, even if they push him as a heel, the modern Rey Mysterio of just defying shit or or just, just altering your, your, your realm of thinking of some of the stuff that he can do with his body uh, in a modern audience. And his brother's great too, but him and Jungle Boy keeping up when Luchasaurus came in, you know, I think he ended it with that giant fucking choke slam on Pentagon after Pentagon. Well, we'll get there, actually. That's the biggest problem I have in this match. Um, but it was a good tag match. The ending would go down with Pentagon accidentally because Jungle Boy moved out of the way and put Ray Phoenix in his way. He gave Ray Phoenix a fucking Canadian destroyer. <sighs> Not only do I not like the fucking move anymore, but now you're telling me that you could be so in the moment that you accidentally give your brother the fucking move? Whatever. Giant choke slam from fucking, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, I forgot what he's calling it, uh, from Luchasaurus off the top ropes. And one, two, three. The Jungle Express win. Um, this gives them a title shot. I don't know how the Young Bucks, who are higher ranked from them, Beat them the night before, or a couple nights before on, on uh, All Out. But they're getting the title shot from just winning this match against the Lucha Brothers, who I don't even think are in the top five. Whatever. That's fine. Afterwards, Ray Phoenix, Pentagon, not happy with each other. They're going at each other's throats. You know, the Butcher the Blade and obviously Eddie Kingston are there, who are in a new faction. Eddie's telling them to stop it, to apologize to each other. You know, bringing up a lot of stuff, you know. Um, at one part, he goes over to the fucking Blade, and he's like, where the hell's your wife? Where's your wife? His wife's Allie. So the fact that she's over doing the whole thing with Natural Nightmares, you know, it's there's this this element of realism with, with Eddie Kingston, with this group. And he makes Phoenix, after a while, they try it, they try it. Him and Pentagon work shit out, and they're fine now. But I thought, man... Both of them could do it. Both of them could be baby faces, single runs, no problem. Um, honestly, I'd rather prefer both of them as baby face. But this gives a good reason where it's like Pentagon keeps on fucking up. Eddie Kingston has his boys and his brother beat the living shit out of him. Boom. Now we have Pentagon in the singles fucking race where he should be. Same thing can go for Ray. Because Ray, it's weird that he's a, a heel to an extent. Uh, he's usually a fucking shiny, shiny, shiny baby face. It's, it's like a modern Mysterio as a heel, like all of a sudden perceived. But um, I thought this was good. I like that he brought up the alley stuff in a very subtle way. And then he got all the, everyone back on the same page. And that, that's going to be what he does. But there was a, a shown element that there might be some type of breakup. And Pentagon might be that person that's the odd man out. If he doesn't fucking get his shit together. But Eddie, at the end of it, brought up a big point that we've talked about. He never got fucking eliminated. So I don't know if that means him and Archie are going to go against each other in the future. When it goes against Moxley. Or if we're going to get a three-way possible, which would be an awesome hardcore match. But um, I liked all this. The only thing I didn't like is that Canadian Destroyer spot. Because I thought it was just ridiculous. That you would just, oh! Wrong person. Oh, it's my brother. Oh, shit happens. Whatever. What'd you think, Chris? 
I have to agree with you as far as the the actual finish of the match with a Canadian destroyer. I think there was other ways to get to where they were going. Um, that was the only downside of this match. The rest of it was awesome. I love uh, Pentagon doing the zero fear uh, to Luchasaurus and Luchasaurus just beating the hell out of him, and then Pentagon just getting back up and doing it again <laughs> because that's Pentagon. Um, Ray Phoenix and Jungle Boy had an incredible segment just to open the match with arm drags, which was awesome. It it, it felt very Juventud Guerrero versus uh, Eddie Guerrero circa like 96 in Nitro. Yeah. Uh, which I love. I thought it was a really good way to open the show as far as matches go. And um, as far as the title shots, if you're going to go ahead and do this Alex Marvez thing with the Young Bucks and they're going to get fined, if you wanted to set this up in storyline for it to make sense, it would have been easy to do this and then be like, well, you guys lost your title shot. You were next in line and now you're bumped down because you attacked this poor ring announcer. And then it would at least have made sense. But I also had a problem with that. But the match itself I thought was awesome. Didn't necessarily like the finish. I like Eddie Kingston bringing realism. I think he's great in this little faction. As as short-lived as I think it's going to be with all of these guys. Uh, It could be good enough for Eddie Kingston to somehow get himself in a three-way match for this title. which, Which will be fine. I like the idea of Pentagon being the odd man out. I think he is the better singles competitor of the two brothers. Um, Do you agree, though, that it's weird based on every promotion we've seen Phoenix in that he's a heel in AEW? It just doesn't seem right. Pentagon, too, but like Ray Phoenix was like super, super babyface in Lucha Underground and Impact. Yeah, and his moveset is super babyface. Pentagon is the one that leans more towards a, a more heel yeah. moveset, as much as you can as far as a luchador wrestler goes. I think the I think the thing is that Pentagon has always been slightly more over. So if you're going to make someone do the turn, maybe it makes a little more sense to have Pentagon be the, the odd man out, um, even though Ray Phoenix is fucking incredible. It's just the character of Pentagon, his look the zero fear, the way uh, the way he carries himself in the ring does make him kind of the star of that team. The way the, the, the fact that he's not bilingual, but he's so goddamn charismatic and his brother speaks perfect English. And I love Ray Phoenix, but he just doesn't have that element that Pentagon has. Yeah. And then some of that just goes into the look too, you know, a little bit of yeah, it. And, absolutely. And, but uh, I thought Eddie Kingston, like I said, I thought his promo was great. And the announcement of him obviously never getting eliminated is the shocker. And him not spending too much time on it. He just, like, says it and then leaves. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. You're like, okay, All what right. are they doing with this? Exactly. Keeping us like, oh, really? But, uh, you know, we all saw it. Uh, the question was, was it accident? And they decided to approach it. You know, because they knew it happened, or was it supposed to happen like that? We'll never know. I'm going to assume that it's in storyline just because of what they decided to do with Pentagon um, here. And input make. Um, Chris, uh, once again, you kind of. Left yeah, the broadcast. I'm, I'm here. Okay, you're um, back. Sorry I like I like what they did in storyline, clearly showing that he. No, that's okay. Uh, I like that they clearly showed that he was the leader of the group here. 
Um, and I also like if you're going to turn Pentagon, if Pentagon's going to be the odd man out like we're talking about, I like that you had Eddie Kingston grab Pentagon's head and say, you're my best friend, because you can play that into the storyline down the line. Yep. Oh, all right. Well, um, we had a outdoor weird promo with Jake Roberts and Lance Archer. It's raining out. Roberts talks about how Moxley drives around in nice cars and has fun while they trash nice cars and people as well. Archer talks up next and mentions being sick of seeing Mox with the AEW title. He makes it clear that he's coming after Mox and the AEW World Championship. And after the segment, we head to a commercial break. Um, afterwards, so you can you can comment on both things, uh, Matt Hardy addressed the whole injury scare. This is the thing that I was saying. It's great that he addressed, and Rebby's there. Rebby has a newborn. He talks to his two sons over the television. Um, my whole problem with this is, why the fuck is Matt Hardy apologizing for getting injured in a match that he shouldn't have had to continue uh, when he obviously had a concussion, that they're still fucking being kind of... Like, if, if he didn't get a concussion, then why is he going to be out for the next couple of weeks? It's just shady shit. There's no reason Matt should be apologizing for anything. Uh, I got into fucking arguments with some AEW-only assholes on Twitter, but whatever. Apparently, it's completely fine, and Matt Hardy should have apologized to his fans because he scared them. Okay, well, uh, you know what scared me was the professionalism of a giant fucking company. But uh, that's all I got to say about that. I don't care if Rebby's there and you convinced her whatever. It's still bullshit regardless. And this smells even more like bullshit. Just like you having fucking Tony Schiavone do your dirty work during your pay-per-view. But uh, what are you going to do? What do you think about the the Murderhawk monster and Jake's weird promo in the rain? uh, Where they danced. And then uh, Matt Hardy addressing the AW um, audience about the all-out injury. And just being babyface as fuck, though. I definitely will give that to him. I I liked the weird dance promo. (laughs) Um, Except for the fact that he's talking about Moxley driving around in nice cars when... If you know anything about Moxley coming into this after he buried WWE, he's like been driving the same truck for 20 years. I know he stole that Ford GT, but they have, haven't brought it up since his feud <laughs> with the inner circle. Um, and that doesn't really play into Moxley's character. So I, I, I guess Jake was just building off what he knows about AEW. <laughs> so that was like weird. I was like Moxley driving around in nice cars. He doesn't seem like the guy that drives around in nice cars or whatever, but it was a good Jake promo. The rain dance stuff was kind of cool. Um, as far as the Matt Hardy promo goes, I'm always excited to see Rebby Hardy uh, and, and, and Rebby Hardy's kids. So that was fun to see her there. Obviously, I guess, making amends to AEW a bit for her statements, even though I think they were totally justified giving the situation and she shouldn't have to make amends for shit. Um, but maybe that was a Matt conversation uh, or, or whatever, being like that he demanded to go on. or uh, We don't know what happened behind the scenes here as far as what Matt said. I still think I agree with you. Uh, there's more, it, like, if a professional athlete gets hurt and you know they're hurt, it doesn't matter how many times they say they're good to go. At some, at some point, you just draw a line in the sand. Uh, as far as Matt apologizing, it's it's like when Taker apologized for having a bad match to fans. 
to some extent. It's like you don't have to fucking apologize for something that was out of your control, right? Like, shit happens. It's unfortunate. You've given us years and years of great entertainment. And for you to come out and apologizing for that not being the match you wanted it to be is is what made you a great wrestler to begin with. The fact that you care so much about entertaining the fans. And I love, 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 love how he said the wrestling fans are the greatest fans in the world. And, and just the promo itself was super baby face and hope Matt goes, takes his time off, really gives himself some time to clear his head. And if they do decide to give him a huge baby face run coming back, I'm fucking totally down for that. Matt's a good wrestler. He cuts good promos. There's still a lot you could do with that character. Um, I'm just glad that he's okay in general. Me too. Me too. All right. So Mr. Freshly squeezed, uh, orange Cassidy had a match with and helico. Wow. He's not on dark this week. Um, accompanied by his tag team partner, Jack Evans, uh, and helico had a match against orange Cassidy. This is a pretty good match to put orange Cassidy over. I'm just telling you, man, one thing I have to say is, like, they're about to have three shows. They're going to have Dark, which obviously is supposed to be the Dark matches. They, you know, it's for less experienced superstars most of the time to build up the amount of wins they've had on that program or get people ready to go to the main program. Uh, Not their NXT, but I guess in the same type of concept in a very faster form. And they're going to be having two television shows, Dynamite and Whatever Happens, on TNT. They're already ramping up for it. I don't know why Jack Evans and Helico have been in dark the whole entire time. They're both incredible. They're both a great tag team on Lucha Underground. Uh, they're both great wrestlers. And this kind of improves, or this improves it. It proves it to me because I thought this was a good match with Orrin Cassidy and Helico. I like his style and, and uh, who is it? Sam Adonis who does the wrestling podcast, Corey Graves brother. He's a big wrestler over in Mexico. Um, he's been big in uh, all Japan. And he's also been big in the UK, but he spent a lot of time in Mexico learning and he was, he knows these guys uh, from working with them. He's lived within Helico and Helico inherited this technical style that, that was formed over in Mexico, but it, it involves Lucha Libre style, the fast paced, and he was doing it, and it was really good, and Orange Cassidy was going very well with him, and I thought they had a pretty goddamn good match, and Orange Cassidy ended up getting the win. I want to see his tag team more on the actual product, is what I'm saying. So, I don't know. I, they're both signed. I'd like to see Jack Evans and Helico used more on uh, the quote-unquote main product, if you will. But I like this. What do you think? I thought it was a really good match and it was a strong victory for orange Cassidy that, that continued the feud with pride and powerful versus the best friends leads to a street fight. So there's nothing negative to say about this match. I thought it was really good. I think in Helico is, is a great performer in the ring. They, that tag team needs something. I don't know what it is, but it just feels like they're kind of lost in a sea of great tag teams in AEW or great. Let's say great to good. I don't know yeah. if it's the ring gear or their. It's not their in ring work. There's just something that hasn't stood out about them. Um, and if they can find that, then I could easily see them 
you know, having a really good run because both of those guys are fucking incredible, right? But right now, I mean, with the way the tag te- team division is, and it's it's going to be completely focused around the Young Bucks, Lucha, the Lucha sort, Lucha, the Lucha brothers, and FTR for a bit here. Um, I don't know. Maybe it is time to season them a little bit. I think having that second televised show will help a lot. And I wouldn't be surprised if they just stop doing AEW Dark once they get Could. that second show. Abaddon's been on there for a while. It's amazing. I don't get it. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so the next segment was very weird. Do you think that I like this, but I thought the performance on Matt Jackson was a bit ridiculous. But uh, Mr. Fathead himself, Alex Marvez, is in the back, and he's knocking on the locker room of Matt and Nick Jackson. And he knocks. He knocks again. He finally knocks. They open the door. He goes to try to ask a question. They both super kick. And Road Warrior Buck himself, Matt Jackson, is just just angry, like flexing and, and grinding his teeth. And they slam the door. So I guess the Young Bucks are... Um, our heels, they got they got fined. What was it like? It shouldn't be bad since the fact that they're fucking two of the main guys in the uh, executive order um, or the executive uh, placement of the fucking company. But it was like fifteen thousand or some shit. Um, it, I think they said I think they said five thousand a piece. Well, Tony said five thousand, and then Jr. was like, "That's a very low amount," and then said five thousand a piece, right? And Tony was like, "Oh yeah, five thousand a piece, clearly." <laughs> oh God. It's egregious. Actually, kick Alex Marvez off the goddamn show and get Renee Young. But seriously, anyways, um, in all seriousness, I don't know. Like I said, I think Matt Jackson, when he's trying to be intense, he looks ridiculous. I never noticed it until recently. And unfortunately, Mr. Jim Cornette is the one who pointed it out to me. And I realized that after that, he was like literally like, like angry. It was a, It was a very funny... Are they heels now? Is that what the fuck's going on? I'm going to go on a limb and just say they're very frustrated and they're not actually turning them heel because the idea is them versus FTR. And FTR is definitely not turning babyface anytime fucking soon. So I'm, I'm just going to write it up, at, write it off as a, a stupid fucking angle. To piss off, to piss off shootwise to FTR and Jim Cornette. When they come out and go against FTR the first time, they need to have these Stan Lane, fucking Bobby Eaton, exact outfits patterned. And Kenny Omega, yes, Twinkle Toes McGee, needs to wear Jim Cornette's old outfit with the fucking glasses and the goddamn racket. I will laugh my ass off um, if that happens. (laughs) I think the thing is, is like most of AEW's fans probably won't even get the joke. That's fine. Fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't. Well, I don't want to say anything about you. I take. I take that back. The younger fans will not get the gym. <laughs> I mean, you know, <sighs> there's there's people like us that are diehard wrestling fans that know have went and watched all that Midnight Express stuff. But for the most part, people just see Cornette as an angry podcaster now. <laughs> he will. He will lose his shit. That motherfucker, goddamn Kenny Olivier. Wearing a fucking outfit I used to wear. God damn. Like, it would be just great. I would just, I would laugh my ass up. It, um, it would be, it would 
definitely be fucking hilarious, but also Kenny Omega has said multiple times that he's, I mean, and he's refused to ever comment back on Jim Cornette. He's like, I'm not going to give this guy more listens. Good for him. <laughs> Good for essentially. him. So like, while it would be hilarious to us. <laughs> Why the hell would he give any more listens to someone that calls him? What the hell is it? Twinkle toes, McFinger bang. Well, I mean, I think there's there's a few wrestlers that have done this. Like Sammy, uh, Sammy Zayn is one where he's been asked about Jim Cornette. Uh, Kevin Owens is one where he's been asked about Jim Cornette, and they they just they're like, why would we try to help this fucking guy that obviously hates us? Like, it, even if we insult him, it's just gonna you know bring attention to whatever it's, he has to say. Dude, next. it's so funny because even though he get he talks as if he got annoyed by both of them, he talks of them with both in high regard. Now, um, both Sammy and, and uh, Kevin. Yeah, Maybe I guess he, he just he just gave up on uh, on them ever responding to any of his bullshit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Maybe it'll so eventually I, happen with Kenny Omega. He'll eventually just give up. He's just like, oh well, I guess he's I never. Don't, I don't. I don't think that's ever getting because I think that that Jim Cornette, even though he thought that all the fucking stupid ladder matches and shit that him and Sammy did was unnecessary because he was probably looking out for their bodies and also his own credibility. He actually respected them as performers. I don't think that he respects Kenny Omega and ever will as a performer. He'll put over the bucks before him. I just don't understand why he's never really put, if, if Kenny Omega is such a shitty performer, why he's never really put over Okada. If Kenny Omega no, no, bad. no. He has before, and Brian Last will call it out, and he'll say that the only reason that Kenny looked good is because he was going against people like Tanahashi and fucking Okada. So that's where his uh, his direction of thought is, which I guess you can think that way. I like Kenny. I think that some of the stuff outside of the actual wrestling stuff he needs to work on, but that's if – I mean, he doesn't give a fuck. He's a Japanese fucking wrestling legend. And if he doesn't get over with the American audience, he has already. I mean, thing is, can you imagine this Kenny Omega? What would have happened if you went over to WWE with the same exact gimmick? Would not have worked out. Or it would have worked out great if he somehow started doing online shows with Xavier Woods in the New Day. And I don't know. It just depends on how they booked him. Well, let me ask you about this. Did you think that the best man of Kip Sabian was going to be fucking Rusev Day, because that's what exactly what happened. Uh, at first, we had a gentleman, <laughs> when when, when they first were like, the best man's going to come out, and it was this guy named Fluffy, I think. I don't know. It wasn't the Fluffy that we know. You know, the comedian. Puff. Puff. His, he's, name, his uh, name was Puff. <laughs> he's a larger wrestler from a California, I believe, and apparently he was, you know, in the storyline at least, he was in Kip's um, Twitch thing and he said man you're the, you're the best or something like that and he interpreted it wrong and then when he told him no you're just a fucking fan and he went away then brian pillman came out and i'm like after the whole entire thing i'm like why aren't they fucking using him but anyways i went back to reality and said and breathe in and out and shit and um brian pillman came out and he was like no no you wouldn't stop bothering me in texting so i just try to end it with you are the best comma man so it wasn't pillman no it was miro miro is all elite 
He came out. He's got blonde hair now. I don't know why they didn't use him in the Battle Royal or something with the fucking major pay-per-view the couple nights before, but whatever. I don't know why he's in this whole entire story with Kip Sabian, but I'm now interested in this wedding angle. It's kind of weird that Rusev goes from wedding angle to wedding angle to reintroduce him. The only thing I will say is, all right, I get it. He was mad. Uh, the whole glass ceiling comments, the the brass ring, stick it up your ass. Can we just have this be like I don't I don't expect if they ever let Matt Cardona fucking do a promo, I don't expect him to talk about that because he never is like really that resentful in, in interviews. He's like you know it shit happens blah 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 blah. This worked out better for me, sort of thing. But can we stop with the ex WWE performers? Like even Brody Lee admitted. He only wanted to do a Vince thing the first, like, segment, and that became a thing, and, like, he's tried to slowly get himself away from having Vince-isms because he didn't want it to become a reoccurring thing. I'm just, I'm over it. It's like, you know, I didn't have a problem with Kip Sabian talking shit about, you know, their dumb third-party concept that they've now gone back on, but I love, I love Rusev. I hope he does awesome in this. I hope he ends up punching Kip Sabian in the face and says, my real best friend is, and then Aiden English comes out and they're Rusev Day again, or Miro Day. I love the audience reaction to him. I think he's going to do great in this organization. Anyone bitching about too many WWE stars, just fuck off. They're building so many fucking ingrown talent, and they have some guys that were ridiculously underutilized from WWE. If you want to bitch about this type of stuff, all the guys that went over WCW, like Kevin Nash, or um, I'm trying to think, Steve Austin, you know, went to WWE. They were all in WCW beforehand. Undertaker was in WCW. Then he went to WWE. Probably a lot of you bitching wouldn't know that because you're young as fuck. Whatever. I don't care. Some of the guys like Rusev, like Matt Cardona. Or if we're, if we're really talking about Cody at this point, or John Moxley, or Chris Jericho, sorry they're in there and it bothers you. That's too WWE-like. Fuck off. Anyways, I liked having Miro a part of this. I don't understand exactly what the hell's going on with this whole Kissabian thing. How do you like his blonde hair, Chris? I think his Eminem haircut is great. Bum, I wish bum, he... Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> I wish he still had a. I wish, I wish Stuff. he still. I wish he still had his uh, mustache that he was rocking beforehand. Oh yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> um, the promo was not good. Uh, not the part about the brass ring and the glass ceiling thing. I thought he hit fine, but he kind of stumbled a bit on the promo. And I don't give a shit about this. I don't care about Miro's twitch. Turns out, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Um, if I'm going to watch Twitch, I'm going to probably watch you know, like MTash or something. Something that is not wrestling related. Wrestlers playing video games uh, is not necessarily the highest level of video game. So you're just there to watch the wrestler at some point, I guess. I, I don't get this fascination. with. Uh, well, I do get the fascination because there's money to be made. Um, but I don't know that I need it brought into a storyline. And also, I'm, I'm assuming that he's going to take Kip's girl. Because <laughs> he's just going to have to destroy Kip Sabian in this somehow. So maybe uh, maybe that's the angle they're going for. And they're going to 
poke more fun at WWE. I would say be careful with this shit because eventually uh, people's contracts are going to be up and this shit goes both ways. Right? Yep. So you can lose, like, say if Jungle Jack Perry <laughs> decides he wants it's to jump ship. a fat contract, yeah. <laughs> he gets offered a fat contract. Or John Moxley's, like, done. And they're like, hey, we're going to book you super strong. Do you want to do a S.H.I.E.L.D. reunion? Um, and we're going to let you have more creative control. Like, you need to be very careful just constantly firing shots. Because what will happen is the same thing that happened to WCW, where these guys start leaving. If anything goes wrong in this company, they're going to have the ability to just leave and do the same thing to you uh, that you're doing to them currently. And, and as far as the fans getting mad about people jumping talent, I mean, look at like what has been NXT being basically Ring of Honor and Evolve as far as top guys go. Um, or yep. even bringing in Impact stars. I mean, it's just that's just how fucking wrestling works. People should be happy that these guys have other places they can work and make money and entertain you. Because, I mean, there's only so many people you can fit on Monday Night Raw to some extent. I mean, we saw what happened to Brody Lee, and that's frustrating. But, I mean, if you put him in the storyline right now and you looked at him, there's ways you could book him really, really strong. But right now, like, if you if he was still on SmackDown and everything was fine, you have Roman, Braun, and Bray. Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, Jeff Hardy. Who are you going to put him over against? And how confident are you that he's going to be able to get over to the extent he needs to be to carry a show that has, let's say, 2 million viewers? So it's, it's a double-edged sword. I would just be very, like I said, I'd be very careful on who you're taking shots about because some of these contracts are going to be coming up in, let's say, the next year or so. Yeah, I'm just over it in general. Um but yeah, dude, oh. I mean, honestly, what did we say? What did I say, actually? And I think you agree with me, but the only two guys left in that whole entire who's going over to AEW, I said, realistically, Mac, Mac Cardona. I was probably still calling him Zack Ryder at the time. I'll admit that because of his relationship with Cody. And also, I think that Rusev could be a big guy in another organization because he got himself over. Did you hear? What the fuck he said that that uh, Vince told him about the whole Rusev Day thing? No, but I'm sure it's something fucking ridiculous because Vince hates when anything gets over that's not planned. He told Rusev that the only reason that was working is because they thought that him and him and uh and in English were lame, and it was actually like them making fun of Rusev. And he's like, okay, then why am I the number one merch seller? And Vince didn't have a lot to say about that. Yeah, I don't know. Rusev just got a very long extended vacation and started apparently a very successful Twitch stream. Is mm-hmm. married to Lana and has a new T, uh, new AEW contract. So I'm sure he gives about zero fucks right now. In so general. stupid. What a waste. Uh, anyways, um, so the next match we had Chris Jericho and Jake Hager going against Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss. No DQ match, and this is a pretty damn good match, actually. Uh, Chris Jericho, once again, sold like a motherfucker. Uh, I I noted that at one point, uh, Joey and Chris were trading shots in the corner, and I said, wow, fucking Jericho looks more jelly than Joey does. Um, But, you know, whatever. He's probably trying to have that tank gutter, (laughs) something like that. Um, 
but yeah, Joey was coming full swing. He was pissed off about that. What happened the week prior. And I love the part where, where Sunny kiss came in the ring and she had them both in the corners and, you know, did the kind of the Muda thing that Penelope does to one side and then go, go over and fucking just kick Jericho in the face. Um, big Sunny kiss fan. And, uh, at the end, you know, inevitably Jericho and Hager would win. Hager finally got Sunny kiss. I, she tried to do something on top ropes, I believe. And he grabbed her and did the urinagi off top ropes and just held her on the ground for the three count. And, uh, Jericho and Hager announced that they're going to be a tag team that Chris said he's done a lot that he did in the singles division. And now he wants to get the tag team gold. So, we might be losing Pentagon and Phoenix in the future, but we're getting a Jericho and Hager. And I know probably, like me, like many, the question of, well, what what the fuck happened to the Spanish gods between Jericho and, and Sammy Hager? But Sammy Hager. Sammy Guevara. Jake Hager. Um, I wonder if they're related. Um, but Sammy, they're, they're probably putting in more of a singles position. I think this actually works out and will help out both those guys be able to do something cool. So I'm looking forward to Jericho and Hager as a tag team. What did you think about the match? What did you think about the announcement afterwards, Chris? I thought the match was pretty good for what it was. I mean, it was a hardcore match, essentially. Um, Joey Janela did a lot of crazy Joey Janela shit. There's one spot where he went through that table and the, the actual, the table legs didn't break. And I don't know how he didn't get killed the way he went through it. Um, but that's just the magic of Joey Janela. It, it looks like one of those New Japan tables almost where the legs are just like, no, we're just going to lay here for a while. Hope you don't hit your head. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, he didn't hit the, the middle of it. He hit like the ass end of the table and luckily didn't get hurt. Uh, I, I put props for Joey Janela recently because I was watching, I think it was. Uh, Joey God, Janela don't was, die. No, it was GCW. He did this amazing elbow drop, and it's one of the best elbow drops I've seen in a long time. So I retweeted it. So if you're following me on Twitter, definitely check that out. But, He's got uh, a great elbow drop for sure. It's, it's pretty fucking good. Um, I think that him and Sony Kiss are entertaining as a tag team. This is obviously just, I think, ending that feud in Jericho and Jake Hager are probably going to go for the titles. Honestly, at some point down the road, I think they'll build this up uh get there to and and maybe win the titles and and maybe this is the dissension a little bit of pride and powerful and separating them out from the group uh to some extent you know what i hope happens man i hope pride and powerful leaves and conan gets introduced and he's their manager again i would love that so much if we have that combination again or if, like, you know, he just ends up joining Eddie. They just end up joining Eddie Kingston, and his group grows. So. That's fine too. But I'm just saying, like, you know, Conan has some in with the company. He's good on good terms. He's one of the main bookers in AAA. He's a reason why there's been swaps in talent. Dude, just I know he does stuff with MLW. I don't know if that holds him for being able to be. If Conan was with LAX again, they would dominate. They would fucking destroy. And he's one of the best managers. In the fucking game. Yeah. He's he's always been great. Even going back to like Road Dog Ron Killings and him as a little crew in, in Impact. Um but yeah, that I mean I would love that personally. And I I have no problem with Jake I assuming that Jericho is trying to win 
to triple crown in AEW, I could see them getting the tag titles down the line and being probably transitional champions, but you do need someone to break up what the monotony is going to be of, or seemingly is going to be of the Lucha Brothers, FTR, and the Young Bucks in the very near future, and, and they're not necessarily a bad choice. Absolutely. All right, so MJF uh, fired his whole entire campaign crew. And that one dude didn't punch him in the face afterwards. Um, but yeah, it was a funny segment. He basically went off on everyone, said that it was their fault that he lost the match and fired everyone, uh, told the girl that smiles too much that, you know, she has a terrible smile or something on those lines. And she started crying and left. And then he took his attention to Wardlow and basically said, like, you were the reason why I lost. And, like, you know, Wardlow took exception with that, tried to explain himself a bit. And he was like, I don't want to hear anything from you. He goes, do you have to realize that Tony Khan doesn't pay your checks? I do. He goes, I can put you and your family on the street if I want. He goes, so are we okay? Are are we we fine now? And Wardlow backed off and MJF kind of patted him on the the uh, chest and walked off and Wardlow had to adjust his neck a bit. So uh, not too happy. We're, we're, we're continuing with this. And I, I like that a lot. Uh, John Moxley had a message for the murder Hawk monster that happened afterwards. He takes off his sunglasses and talks to the camera as he proudly displays his AEW title. He still claims to after his most recent defense at all out, Mox goes on to talk about how things aren't getting any easier for him around here and reveals how he reacted when he saw the Murderhawk monster Lance Archer win the Casino Battle Royal to become the next challenger for the title Saturday night. So he knows he's in for a fight. He's already fought him before, and he beat him. Probably not going to bring in that information because it's New Japan related, but, you know, this is going to be fun. I mean, like I said, I think JR's... From what I've seen, at least from a lot of the stuff that, you know, uh, Stan Hansen videos that I've seen, when he enters a match, especially there's multiple people, he starts annihilating everywhere. So we're kind of getting modern Terry Funk versus modern uh, Stan Hansen, kind of. And I still want Eddie Kingston to be thrown in the mix, but I'm down for whatever. But the only thing that sucks, though, Lance is awesome. But I feel like he's inevitably going to lose. So once again, you know, it is what it is. You know, he lost to fucking Cody. He's going to lose this title to John. But at least he's a badass, I guess. You know, whatever, man. Uh, How do you feel about these two segments? The one with, uh, you know, MJF firing his little committee. And then obviously Moxley cutting a promo on the Murderhawk monster. I thought the MJF stuff was pretty great. I think this is return to good form for MJF as far as his promos go. This is one of his stronger promos over the past couple weeks, in my opinion, at least. Um, I like that they still the guy still gave him the mints in the little wooden box, and he got pissed off and thrown through him. That was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, um, and I like the stuff with Wardlow. Uh, it. It did have shades of what Triple H and Stephanie used to do to the big show. So I need them to tread lightly on that. And also, Wardlow better never cry about his situation like the big show did. (laughs) Um, Wardlow's great. Put him in some more matches. 
every time I've seen him in the ring, I thought he's looked really good. So like get the guy involved in some more matches so that when you finally do this blow up, we realize that Wardlow can be a threat uh, to MJF. Cause otherwise right now, Wardlow is just a big body. And uh, yeah, I have to agree. Oh, uh, what do you think about Moxley's response to uh, Mr. Jake the Snake Roberts and Lance Archer? It was fine. It was a very laid-back Moxley promo. He's probably going to save it until they start building the feud a little bit more. Um, I have no problem with Lance Archer taking the belt off Moxley because I, I, I see Lance Archer as more of a transitional champion, if that makes sense, for whoever else they want to put in that spot. I mean, I think the end goal is going to be Cody and MJF down the line with there being a reason why Cody can finally challenge for that title again. So there needs to be some sort of transition there, whether it's Eddie Kingston or Lance Archer having a top heel, have that title. um, And then another baby face winning it, maybe like a, let's say a Darby Allen. Uh, I don't know how you get there, but I feel like there's going to be, let's say there's going to be more title changes than they've had surrounding this belt um, over the past, let's say year and a half. I guess it's been a year and a half at this point, right? Around that. Yeah, I believe so. All right. Well, FDR, AW tag team title celebration. It's not like I didn't let dislike this. But just like the wedding thing with Miro building up to it and what we're going to get eventually in the future, I will admit that both these segments were WWE as shit. Um, As I do continue, though, I like this. Um, It was basically for themselves and throwing shade at everyone. So basically, um, Dax Howard and Cash Wheeler are accompanied by Tully Blanchard, who talks first for the trio for their celebration segment. As the ring is filled with balloons and the ring floor is surrounded by some of the tag teams in AEW. Blanchard says, fear the revelation. That's what it's about. He's, and by the way, the fact that they're doing the shocker thing, I don't know if that was a smart idea. I know it's not four horsemen and it's not like, you know, the, the fucking too sweet, but it's, it's the shocker now that whatever. The fact that I'm watching Tully Blanchard do that is amazing. No idea. Uh, anyways, Blanchard says, fear the revelation, for that's what it's about. He says if John Moxley is the greatest AEW has to offer them now, then, AEW, then FTR is clearly the best tag team in the entire industry. We learned in Harwood then take turns on the mic, trashing teams at ringside, saying to SoCal Uncensored, man, it would have been amazing to be able to go against you guys in your prime about 15 years ago. Uh, talking to the gun club and telling Billy that uh, you know, uh, it, it would be really cool to go against you, but you're a part of a second rate hall of fame. No, you're a sec you're, you're a hall of famer from a second rate hall of fame. So throwing a little more shade, I guess, WWE. Um, and then going after Jurassic Express, who has, uh, you know, some, some title, uh, shots against the champs next week. FDR says they'll be damned if a dinosaur and a freak, are going to represent the tag team scene in AEW on their watch. Eventually, they talk too much trash as it backfires on them with Jurassic Express giving them an ice bath, dumping ice all over. By the way, that ice bath 
looked like it sucked because it still had beers in the fucking cooler. So both Dax and Cash, I saw, got nailed on their heads and shoulders by a couple brewskis that were in there, but whatever. Um, afterwards, everyone started eating cake after FTR fucking split. So that was kind of interesting and funny to see Luchasaurus, like, you know, passing out stuff with all the other people. It turned into an episode of The Office, and no one's face went through a cake like WWE would. So I guess it wasn't like that 100%. But, um, yeah. That was uh that was interesting. What do you think, Chris? I thought it was cool that the uh, the entire tag division turned against him. It was a little weird that the heels and baby faces all started eating cakes. I think there was some some people there missing for sure. Let's say I don't know, the Young Bucks or was Pentagon and Phoenix out there? Pride and Power. No, I don't think LAX. No. Best None of the friends. best types. So none of the tag teams that are actually, but outside of uh, Luchasaurus, obviously, none of the tag teams that are actively ranked, like Evil Uno and Stu Grayson weren't out there. Um, if it was celebrating all the tag teams, you would think you would have all of those guys out there. But I get, I get what they were going for, and uh, the SEU shit was funny to me, <laughs> just because they were like talking about how old they were, and I'm like. You guys are not necessarily that young either, if I'm being completely honest. Your manager's 175 years old, but we, you know, different story for a different day, I guess. Uh, the second-rate comment on the Hall of Fame, they do realize they they also insulted Tully with that, right? Chris, you broke up a little bit. What was that? I said they do... They do. They do realize they also insulted Tully with the second-rate Hall of Fame thing. I don't think he cares, honestly. I think Tully's like, yeah, I got the fucking Hall of Fame. There's fucking four of us. Tully Blanchard. I mean, honestly, just like Arne Anderson, if we're if we're pretending the WWE Hall of Fame is the fact they own everything, so all of it's, I guess, all ex WWE, if you will. Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson deserve to be in that motherfucker by themselves. Period. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that, but, you know, if you're just throwing shade at it, then you shouldn't, they shouldn't, definitely shouldn't talk about Tully Blanchard as a former Hall of Famer on commentary, which they do. I don't know. It was fine. It it was a lot of, it was a lot of time on the show. I'll say that. Maybe it went a little long. That can happen, man. Um, all right. Well, next, we had the the little thing with Ricky Starks. Tad joins, Taz, I should say, joins the gang at the commentary. And uh, he was bitching a little bit about what happened all out with Ricky Starks and Brian Cage. And he has, uh, you know, all of a sudden, he's all excited because Darby Allen's music plays. And out comes, once again, Ricky Starks dressed up as Allen. Starks mocks Allen, saying he can't play skateboard with his friends because he got a thumbtack in his foot. Starks talks about their reason, there being a reason he's always alone. Says he's reckless. He doesn't know the meaning of uh, relentless, but he does. And he's show him. He says, uh, absolute Ricky Starks. And the next time uh, he sees Darby Allen, his face... He will show his face around here as going to beat his ass relentlessly. Um, 
So I finally want to see the match between the two of them since we've built it up for a while. I like Ricky Starks a lot, uh, especially his promos. I probably didn't do it justice because I'm reading some transcript. But um thought this was good. And afterwards, can we get them both in very different directions? Not saying one higher than the other or anything like that, but just other opponents because it's been a very, very slow build uh, to get to Ricky Starks versus Darby Allen that I thought originally was going to be Darby Allen versus Brian Cage. But what are you going to do? What do you think, Chris? I feel like there's better things that you can do with Darby Allen, but obviously they're a little loaded in both of their tag team, or not their tag team, but their title divisions right now. Um, yeah, should be entertaining, I guess. Um, I thought it was kind of cool he came out to Darby's music and and cut the promo. The promo itself was fine. I think Ricky Starks is... T- I, I'm just not sold on Ricky Starks after seeing him in the ring a few times. I know other people are high higher on him than I am, but I just go back to that Moxley... Darby tag match and just think about how many fucking botches were in that thing. And uh, that's the first yeah, thing that comes to everyone mind. Everyone has when a I... bad night at the office, you know? Yeah, but he also wasn't great in the Battle Royal either. And there was one other match recently. I don't know. Maybe he'll prove me wrong. Maybe him and Darby will have a fucking banger. Who knows? That just seems like two styles that don't necessarily click and they seem like they don't have the best. Yeah. Um, I don't know what. I almost called it fusion, but let's let's it's not let's just say it's not like Macho Man and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat when they get in the ring <laughs> together. Even going back and watching their dark match, it's they don't have the best chemistry. That was the word I was looking for. Yeah, I can see that. All right, so we had Ty Conti who just got signed and has been pursued because of her friend Anna J uh, to be a part of the Dark Order. But she went against Nyla Rose. Uh, Nyla with Vicky, of course, as her manager. And um, this is a pretty good match. Uh, I like that they built up uh, the fact that Ty Conti, something that she didn't even get to express in NXT in the short time period that she was there. You know, she's a, a, kick, a kickboxer. She does, like, a bunch of different martial arts and shit. So... She was able to get Nyla slow her down a bit and then get her kind of involved, you know, get her close, get her involved in hitting, something that would happen in a fight. But Nyla Rose inevitably, you know, beat her. And uh, afterwards, we hear Vicky Guerrero saying the excuse me thing about thousand fucking times on the goddamn mic. And she says that no one will be able to beat uh, the combination of the two of them. And I forgot what she called her nice little group between the two of them. But, you know, Vicky is coming for blood. She's got Nyla Rose to be able to fucking find it. And they are someone to mess with. But I'm glad that uh, Taiganti got a a pretty good showing. And, uh, you know, it was what it was. What do you think, Chris? I just wrote it as a squash match in my notes. So it was fine. It's just Nyla is number one contender. So... Assuming she's going to get the title off Sheeta going forward. It was nice seeing Ty Conti there. Hopefully they do more with her. They just happened to put her against Nyla as well, kind of their first big thing. <laughs> they were going to guess do with what, her. Chris? What's that? She she was seen in a video that they showed on Twitter that didn't happen on the actual fucking product where Evil Uno she's kind of limping and they meet up with her again. So I think she's going 
to Dark Order. So all those creepy, weird, nerd, you know, inept fucks uh, have two, you know, beautiful females, I guess, to stare at. I'm assuming that's what it is. If it happened on something that's not on your main product, I don't care. This goes for WWE as well. Just like when they book matches that happen on Twitter, and then when we look at the fucking match card, I'm like, where the hell did this match come from? Same thing. Yep. All right, so we had two sit-down interviews uh, with both members of the last Tag Team Champions. Tony Schiavone sat down with Hangman Adam Page, and, you know, Hangman had his drink. By the end of it, his drink was gone. He drank the whole fucking thing. Um, you know, more adding into his... He's, he's kind of a drunk. But what he was, you know, basically saying is that he hopes that him and Kenny, after them working on this for last year, that they can continue, that they're number one contenders, and they can, you know, end up beating someone and get past this. He didn't mention the fact, like I said, that Kenny is the reason why they fucking lost the goddamn match, but he's not taking that type of credit for it. Well, JR talks to Kenny, and they have an interview, and Kenny's the exact opposite. This is probably the best that I've seen Kenny on, on something like this. It's like, I don't think they have a problem with it, because they had no problem really acting, you know, a part of everything in Japan. But it's like the Young Bucks and Kenny, since they know it's not real, they just don't care as much to try to, like, act realistic i guess i don't know what the deal is exactly maybe maybe it's it, it's an issue it's it's different you know uh than what they've dealt with before in the past but this was a good display of kenny we look at the jr you know uh different interviews back in the past him and the rock him and stone cold him and mick foley him and the rock and stone cold all those time periods this is him sitting down with kenny and just talking to him kenny doesn't want to fucking go back with with page he's done he wants to get the singles division. He said that at one point it kind of bothered him that everyone expected him to be the lead singles guy at the beginning of AEW. You know, something that's it, it stems in reality. Uh, because in reality, Kenny even said that he just wanted to be the guy that kind of helped develop other stars, what Chris Jericho is doing, basically. He wanted to do that type of aspect. I guess he didn't see him, much of himself. I don't know why. But now it seems like, thank God. We're getting Kenny, whatever way he's doing it, heel, baby face, clean or not, by himself, singles division, build him up from here. And I'm very excited about that, but I don't think Hank Pan, Hank, I don't think Hangman knows about that because it uh, seems like uh, he had a different way of interpreting it. He thought the tag team was going to get back together and everything was cool. Sucks for him. What do you think, Chris? Oh, well, what's the best way? To, uh, I, okay, so I thought Tony Schiavone's interview started wonderfully, where he, he specifically asked, he was like, so how are you feeling? That was his first question. And Hangman's answer was physically how he's feeling. And Tony's like, no, don't give me the prototypical pro athlete, pro wrestler, how are you feeling? Like, how are you feeling about what happened to you after that match? Um, and the setup to that with Hangman's promo, I thought was very, very good. And it, it continues to put over Hangman as kind of, I don't want to say a, I don't want to say sympathetic baby face because he kind of, he kind of brought this on himself a little bit by being, being ousted from the elite, which I think they could have done a better job if they would have showed more from being the elite 
and everything he's been through with the Young Bucks and Kenny up to this point, if they would have put that on their main fucking show, this would have been like even better promo. Um, I thought it was really good. And then JR, once again, always phenomenal in these sit-down interviews. I like that Kenny's focus is on the singles division. And uh, my guess is that Kenny's going to find himself in trouble. Hangman will come out to save him, and then Kenny will just V-trigger the shit out of him. And then that will be the feud. I just think there was way better ways to get to this feud, but based on what they did at that yep. pay-per-view, that seems like how they're lining this thing up. They're dragging it out like Sasha versus Bailey, Dane. How do you feel about that? I was about to fucking say the exact same thing to you. They are dragging this out like Sasha and Bailey. So you won't get actually some type of interaction of hatred another year and a half. Maybe more. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully sooner than that. <laughs> but it, it, it does feel drug out. I feel like we didn't get the payoff at the pay-per-view for what's going to be an incredible feud. It's just taking them a while to get there. Uh, so the last match that we have is the TNT Championship match, Mr. Brody Lee going against Dunstan Rhodes. Like I said, love the promo from Dustin on All Out. Leading into this, I thought that it was very from the heart. It was very realistic. I really, I, I don't know how to say this without saying it. I wish that they approached Dustin, which I'm sure he is. I know he's road agenting. He's helping other people and shit like that. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm, sh- he's one of the people that helps out with like storylines just because of his experience level and stuff like that. But when it comes down to it, I wish that he would ditch the makeup, go back to just the natural Dustin Rhodes, what, what he started out with and kind of be kind of dusty ish for the company. Basically the old mentor, older guy that doesn't have to win, but he, he presents himself as like, you know, a big deal. Because he is. We all fucking love Dustin. And, um, I don't know. So Just, I knew he was going to lose this match. I knew that they weren't going to fucking have his brother get killed by this guy and then he wins. It would have been very interesting if they did that, but it would have made Brody Lee look like shit. I thought this was a good match. A lot of people, understandably so, because of how he's presented, were like, why the fuck... Did he have that much offense when his brother got destroyed from him? But then again, Justin has that experience. And I think we all believe in him and put him on a higher pedestal because of gold dust, because of the natural, because of his whole entire career, just in general. We've grown up with fucking Dustin as one of the big wrestlers. And honestly, I think he could be a champion at this company. He could be the AEW champion. But it's like, oh, it's Dustin. It'll never happen. I, I just wish that his interpretation was a little bit differently. They still had a great match. There was, you know, more offense than you would think. But Mr. Brody Lee ended up winning. And uh, afterwards, he brought out, he made his mafia goons, the putties, go and grab QT Marshall knocked out and brought him out to the stage. And uh, at one time, boom, boom, uh, Colcabana came up to Birdie Lee and he made him go in the background. He doesn't want anything to do with them. So he's not happy with his favorite little pet anymore. But uh, that was basically it. There's one more thing to talk about with this television show. But we'll do that after I get your response from this, Chris. How did you feel about the match? And how did you feel about the aftermath? 
I know AEW is completely against fucked finishes, but this would have been good if it was a 50-50 booked match and Cody cost Goldust the match. So Brody retains and you get a feud in between the two brothers again. Or Goldust wins the title because of Cody and you give Goldust a title run. I know that they're trying not to do that, and they haven't utilized it at all. This would have been one of the times where I would have been completely okay if they did a fuck finish. Um, I agree. But instead, uh, if you're going to do a dusty finish, now would be the time. With, with, with a Rhodes in the ring, and another Rhodes in the, the, in the waiting, so to speak. But I mean, I guess the build, you know, overall is to get Cody back there against Brody Lee, and that's fine. Um, it's just you, I don't know, you gave Dustin a hell of a lot of fucking offense versus what you gave Cody, who just got his ass beat. And they didn't do necessarily the best job on commentary. Talking about how beat down Cody was from defending this title week after week after week. I think they could have done a better job. It spe- specifically, if you go back to that match with um, Warhawk, not Warhawk, um, Warhorse. If yes. you go back to the way they were treating Cody on commentary, where he's underestimating and he's worn out from all these title defenses, if they would have done more of that, I wouldn't have had a problem with the storyline itself. The match itself was was pretty fucking good, honestly. It was a good main event. Um, let's get into this weird-ass fucking shit at the end. Dude, all right. Well, real quick before we go there. I mean, do you agree with me to an extent that it would have been more believable that Dustin would have won it if they actually treated him like he probably should be treated within the company? I mean, I think Cody, like... I don't want. I mean, to, like, you you should think you should think. Okay, he he was able to keep up because he's actually experienced. But we don't think of Dustin Rhodes Gold Dust on that level, and I don't think AEW has done anything to enhance that thought process differently. And I think the golden opportunity to what well, I think we're thinking the same thing, but the way I would have done it would would be a fuck finish. Gold Dust gets the title. Yeah. Dustin gets the title and then Dustin defends the thing for three or four weeks and you set up like a maybe he you know beats Cody or he either he beats Cody or he beats Brody Lee and then you set up whatever whoever you want the belt on after that to be at the next pay-per-view and you can draw that out but if you were going to do if you were ever going to do a fuck finish this would have been a good time for it I think it would have made fans really happy to see Dustin with the gold honestly I would it, love it made, it. It made sense after that promo, too. And, I mean, worst-case scenario, you get the Rhodes brothers against each other again. And that would have been awesome. One of the best matches that they've ever had. Ugh. Well, uh, the one thing that pissed me off, and it, I think it probably did the same thing to you and many other people, is the last uh, half hour of the show, they're promoting the fact that Cody has a very big announcement. It's going to be at the end of the show right after they're done with the actual show. So, you know, I'm thinking like, you know, if it's not in the credit section, it'll be like something right directly after that they paid for. And if maybe it'll happen during the wrestling event and it will just, this will be the last segment. I don't know. Maybe it'll be a promo afterwards. What's this going to be? And we know that Cody recently, or a lot of people at least on Twitter, Instagram and everything, he's flashing his, his normal symbol, but it's, it's, it's all like, 
changed. It looks it's red and it looks bloody and stuff like that. Like there's going to be a change in him, and he's been doing this. Uh, well, he he did he put all of them on a couple of days ago on on all the different social platforms and shit like that. So we're thinking Cody's getting darker, possibly a lot of us, and uh, maybe this would explain it. He didn't come out to the match, interfere like you said. There was nothing. We don't know where Cody was. They had their biggest pay per view, and their biggest star didn't show up at all. One of their biggest stars, at least, with Cody. And uh, so maybe this is going to be something like that. Nope. This is actually, I'm sorry, very USA channel WWE of them. Because Cody uh, showed a preview for something I actually probably will watch. And it's a a competition talent show called Go Big Show. And he is one of the judges, along with Snoop Dogg, Rosario Dawson, and Jennifer Nettles. and Brick Kreischer, with with shirts on, by the way, which should be illegal, honestly, is like the host host, and they're going to be the judges. I'm happy for Cody. I know that that's actually keeping him away. He's finishing filming this whole entire thing. He has been filming it. Um, but fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, AEW, for making me think that something was going to happen of importance and ends up being... Cody's talent show thing. I'll still check it out. The whole entire cast intrigues me. I like all those people. But, goddamn, that kind of annoyed me. Gotta admit. Cut to the end of the show, cut to this part. Cody's like, I have an announcement, blah, blah, blah. And it's this. And I'm like, all right, whatever. (sighs) I'm still annoyed that he wasn't on the show at all. I think it's stupid that they have their biggest show. I understand they had an angle. He could have responded in some small way. It doesn't matter if it's like, you know, a hint at something at Brody Lee, like I'm coming for you and he's not actually there. No, nothing like that. Whatever. Anyways, are you excited about the show with him and Snoop Dogg and Rosario Dawson and Jennifer Nettles with Burt Kreischer hosting it? And it is a uh, talent show. So it's America's Got Talent, but everyone's going to be a big show. So it's America's Got Talent. Basically. Okay. So they're going to go against America's Got Talent and American Idol, and they're going to get like B-sides from both of those shows. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Okay. That, that, that should do well in the ratings. John Cena's got a new Wipeout coming out. Maybe maybe it'll contend against that. You know what it would have done is, better in the ratings? Is it as cool as the Miz's show that's just like Wipeout? <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming the John Cena one will be better. <laughs> I don't know, man. Miz is the Miz. <laughs> I don't know. I think this made fucking. I think this made Cody look like a fucking geek. You got your ass kicked, and the thing you come out with is you're talking about a game show. Unless they're gonna somehow so play WWE. this. Ugh. Unless you're going to play this into his fucking character somehow. It's like, this is why you lost the titles, because you're focusing on this shit instead of, like, wrestling. If they do that, then I'm like, okay, kind of forgiven. But, like, you didn't have a promo to say after you lost the title, got your ass kicked. Also, let your me brother just say... got his ass kicked. You didn't come out to help him and QT Marshall at the end of the show. Let me also just say, is if he was trying to hint 
with the whole bloody American uh, nightmare symbol and shit like that. If he was trying to hint that dark darkness is coming or he's going to be changed at all, what the fuck? I mean, I understand kayfabe, and I understand that you know he can do whatever, and but. Like, why the fuck would I even think that there's going to be a darker version of Cody coming, if that's his intention? If it's like, hey, I'm doing this game show! Whee! Like, give me a fucking break. Alright, here's here's the real question. How much money would you bet that if Dustin Ro- or Dusty Rhodes was still alive, he'd make fun of Cody's neck tattoo? Look, this logo looks like something you'd put on the back Baby. of your truck if you had truck nuts on the back of your truck. Cody, 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 baby, seriously, like, what, what the, the hell is on your neck? Like that, that's for your mama. She gave you that fucking neck. What, what are you doing putting that thing? It looked, it looked ridiculous. It looked like the American flag fucked your neck. <laughs> I mean, honestly, the the symbol thing is very WWE, where everyone has to have a logo, like Roman Reigns' chess logo, or Triple H's Iron Cross Triple H logo. And I know what he was going for, but then to get, put it on the side of your neck, and then I'm try to use saying. that on Twitter to make that, like, I don't know. They definitely pulled the wool over our eyes to give us an announcement of a game show that no one's going to watch on TNT. Because no one watches TNT outside of fucking basketball and wrestling. And I guess if they show like Road Warrior for the billionth time, or not Road Warrior, but that new Mad Max movie, Fury Road, so good, um, so good. I'm just saying, if he liked the fucking symbols so goddamn much, and he liked doing this whole very very Sting esque gimmick, why didn't he just put, use it as face paint maybe like one time on a pay per view to see if he really wanted it on his fucking head neck area? I don't know. I'm used to it, but at the same time, I'm like, why the fuck did he get a neck tattoo? He has no other tattoos. I just don't know. I don't know why the best baby face in the business has relinquished himself to cutting promos about a game show with fucking Snoop Dogg on TNT, who already has a game show on TBS, um, instead of like coming coming out and defending his brother in the wrestling show. Because I can guarantee you. Most of the fans that are watching this are not going to tune in to see Cody Rhodes talk about um, people singing. Hey, man, why does Snoop Dogg use an umbrella? <laughs> I mean, like, look, it's well, America's got it's, it's America's got talent without. <laughs> I don't I don't know. It's <laughs> I don't know what they're going for with this, but this was yeah, this was fucking stupid. And kind of a wait. You could have just done this after the show. Maybe had Cody cut a good promo, and then right after the show did this instead of going right into uh, the Born Identity or whatever they showed, whatever Jr. put over. I'm pretty sure it was a Born movie. You know what I love is that Jr. cares more about picture in picture than anything that happens on AEW. <laughs> he puts more love in letting you know that you can watch picture in picture. Than anything else he's talking about, <laughs> unless he's saying weird comments about AJ having a fucking mal or wardrobe malfunction. Um, yeah, he had to apologize for that one. Um, <laughs> lighten up, people. Look, uh, Jr. I, I don't know if you understand the modern like you know sympathetic fucking loser concept on Twitter, but you shouldn't tell them to lighten up. They they don't like that oh, at all. Um, 
uh, I, I, I just, I love every week that JR just shouts at me whatever movie's coming over, like on, like it's like not 15 years old. He loves it, man. I'm telling you, he loves He's that. Still, picture. About to come out, picture on picture, so you guys enjoy it. It's like, whoa, calm down, JR. Jesus. Was it Christ. was it like was it last week where he was talking about the Magnificent Seven? And I was like, I'm pretty sure that he thinks it's the original Magnificent Seven. <laughs> Not the one with Chris Pine. Actually hyped about it. <laughs> Denzel. Yeah, probably. That's the, yeah, that's that's the remake. I was talking about the original. He's like, oh fucking I saw I watched the Magnificent Seven back in the seventies and fucking great. They're still showing this shit. They should All show right. High Noon next week. I love Gary Cooper. <laughs> oh, my God. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> All right. I want to talk about the two big matches that happened on uh, NXT. There was a lot of stuff that happened in between, mostly promos, setting up stuff that's going to happen in the future. A lot of stuff involving Adam Cole being babyface as shit, letting everyone know in a promo and going up to Finn. You know, and 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 just going out of his way to be—he was a better man, you know. While his fucking friends are fucking at matches and shit like that, and getting involved, um, I did like the match between um, who was it? It was uh, Kyle O'Reilly and the big guy. Who's the big guy? Uh, Thick boy. What, what's his name? Chris, help me out a little bit. Oh my god, you just made me space. He was in the ladder match. Um, yeah. Um, Bronson um, Reed? Alright, so let's let's talk about the middle stuff real quick, and then we'll go into the big two matches for NXT. So not Bronson? So yeah, no, no you're right, not? you're right. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was Bronson Reed had a match with Kyle O'Reilly. Pretty damn good match. Um, actually, really, really good match. No, no, it was Austin Theory. That's who it was. Uh, pretty damn good match. Austin Theory fucking bumped. It, it, it almost came off like he was selling, but it almost came off almost like Shawn Michaels, like Hulk Hogan, SummerSlam 2005 style a bit. But Bronson Reed won. We had another match with Roderick Strong and Killian Dane. Awesome match. Built. I, I don't know how the fuck Bobby Fish... Gets to take Roderick Strong and pull them through a different part of the ring without getting, you know, DQ'd, but whatever. Uh, Killian Dane ended up losing to Roderick Strong. And, uh, you know, after the match, we had uh, Drake Maverick come out, try to help out Killian Dane for helping him out the week before. And what does Killian Dane do? He punched him in the fucking face. Um, didn't understand why the hell that was absolutely needed. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was uh, there, there was also that match with Velveteen Dream, uh, in which he won, and then Kushida beat the living fuck out of him for a while. So this stuff that happened basically in the middle, you have Kushida killing Velveteen Dream, starting up something for Velveteen Dream doing that to him uh, after a match uh, previously. You have Bronson Reed, um, you know, having his match with Austin Theory. And then you have Killian Dane losing to Roderick Strong. And it seems like Drake Maverick, you know, they're going to have a tag team match next week. So even though he got punched in the face, he wants to still be in a fucking tag team with Killian Dane. So we're getting, I think, what originally, at least I wanted, with them being some odd pairing tag team. So just uh, slowly but surely, 
And what do you think about all that stuff? And also the Adam Cole babyface promos throughout the night, even though his friends are being nefarious as fuck and still heal as shit. I like the Adam Cole uh, babyface promo and and be like trying to be the better man in this situation because either way you go with it, whether he has all of Undisputed Error attack Finn Balor, or you have Finn Balor attack him, or not Finn Balor, but you have the Undisputed Error attack him and he gets boosted from from Undisputed Error. I think that's some good storytelling, whichever way they decide to go. Um, Killian Dane continuously fucking up Drake Maverick. And then being in a tag team together just makes Drake Maverick look like a fucking geek. So we're just back to uh, how they felt about Drake Maverick when they fired him and he got himself over by cutting a very heartfelt promo. So I'm kind of like, fuck NXT for that. Um, I like the idea of them being a mismatch. I was about to say, do you have any interest in them being a tag team? I mean, I kind of do, I guess. I mean, if not, if he's just going to whip Drake Maverick's ass week after week because it just makes Drake Maverick look like an idiot, and they're never going to give Drake Maverick a meaningful win against Killian Dane because of the size difference. So, no, not really. I mean, I guess if you just don't like Drake Maverick, <laughs> it would be good for for you to watch. Um, there was the the, the Roderick Strong. Uh, no, was it Kyle O'Reilly or Roderick Strong? It was Roderick Strong. Roger Strong and Kyle O'Reilly continue to be the most underrated athletes in the entire company. No shit. They're fucking great. Every match they're in is fucking great, and I usually watch them twice because there's always something to point out and be like, look how fucking good these guys are. It's ridiculous. Do you think that uh, Austin Theory oversold, or I should say oversold, with uh, Bronson Reed? It was good, but it got a little bit fucking overdramatic towards the end like he was throwing himself outside the ring and shit i don't know if he did it on per i don't i don't want to go like he was sean michaelsing against hulk hogan i don't think he was doing it on purpose maybe <laughs> maybe he got too maybe he got too dolph ziggler in his mind a little bit that's what i'm gonna go with um i he he seems like he's kind of being punished for his uh his crimes that boosted him off the main roster at this point Yeah. All right. So one thing else that happened, um, Shotzi Blackheart uh, was no, no. I, Robert Stone found Shotzi Blackheart's tank. He was gonna destroy it or do something to it, and Shotzi caught him. Uh, Aaliyah attacked her from behind. They went through some walls that you know, one of those things that they put when they're doing interviews or like you know uh, a photo shoot or whatever, and. Basically, Aaliyah smacked right into Io Shirai. So Io got pissed, chased her into the ring. Shotzi kind of went one way. Io was the other way. They both beat the crap out of her. And at the end, Shotzi went to go grab the uh, the title and go give that back to Io Shirai. And when Io went to grab it, she pulled it away. And Io literally said, like, do you want me to kick your ass or something to that extent English? Two Shotzi Blackheart. So it looks like we're going to get that match in the future. And I have to say, even if it's just an NXT like you know, television match, I'm very excited about that. 
I'm very excited about the setup for that match, and that that should be a good match. Like you said, even if it's just a television match, and they decide not to go that way for an actual title shot, uh, that'll be really fun. I wish that she booby trapped the tank. I feel like for that, that would have been hilarious. Like if it just not even a big explosion, but it, like if firecrackers or something started going off, and Robert Stone is so great, he'd be able to freak out about it. Um, that would have been hilarious. Like mini explosions from the mini tank when he tried to <laughs> mess with it. See, put me on your creative WWE. I got all the all the good ideas up here. All right. So since it was just dumb bullshit where people are throwing salads and pasta and shit. Um, Tegan Knox over at the Garganos. I mean, I don't really have much to say about it. I thought it was stupid. Just give me the fucking Candice LeRae Tegan Knox match. Um, I don't know. I guess they had a food fight with water and salad. Wasn't there supposed to be wine here? Wasn't it a wine sit There was no wine. There was no wine. <laughs> I was hoping they would both be sloshed, like they have like a very civil meal and talk about their differences throughout the night, and then they're both sloshed, and they're like, I guess we're fighting now. That would have been good. Um, but no, yeah, you're right. They just threw salad and water, and it makes me think that Triple H and Vince just watched Animal House one time where he yells food fight, and they think that is like the greatest shit of all time because of how often they do food fights on these products. It's good shit. Well, Dad, I mean, you know, I, I think it's kind of funny, but, you know, after a while, it kind of gets, you know, it's it's, it's over with. Shut up! It's, it, it's good shit when Belushi does it in Animal House. I don't know if I need it on my wrestling show. By the way, anyone that was wondering, if you've seen Animal House, the scene with Jim Belushi when he chugs the fifth of, of uh, whiskey, Jack Daniels bottle, uh, he actually did that because they were going to use a hose at first. And Jim just goes, no, I can do that. And they were like, no, that you can't fucking humanly do that. That's terrible. And he convinced them, and he did in one shot. He chugged a whole entire fit to fucking Jack Daniels in about five seconds. God bless Jim Belushi. Jim Belushi, rest in peace. What a drinker. Yep, definitely rest in peace. Uh, gone too soon, maybe for obvious reasons that we just spoke of, but uh, all jokes aside. Animal House is a great fucking movie. It's way better than Food Fights on Wrestling. When he goes down the goddamn stairs, and the guy's just playing that nice, like, little like, hymn on the goddamn guitar, and he grabs the guitar and smacks it against the wall a couple times and hands it back. I love that movie. Great fucking movie. And it's got that beautiful redhead from uh, Indiana Jones. That I used to be absolutely in love with. Can't remember her name. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we should do a Monday suck where we review this movie now that we're uh, getting all nostalgic about it. I love it, man. It's got fucking uh, <laughs> Donald Sutherland being a fucking cool ass professor and shit in it. Yeah, it was a great movie. It really was. All right, we got we got two matches to review. We should probably go over them so we can finish up the show. Uh, the first match, honestly, was the opening match. It was the championship match, NXT. It was Adam Cole going against Finn Balor. This is a great fucking match. No one had to do anything heelish. Uh, the fact that, you know, there's only been two people, I think they said in the past, that have been able to get out the, the, the coup de gras from Finn Balor was pretty awesome. I think it was, it was Samoa Joe and one other person. 
maybe maybe Kevin Owens when he won the title, like they they kicked out of it. So was, this was, was was it Shinsuke? I don't remember, but there was two people basically that from the coup de gras they've kicked out of it. So it's been protected that much as a move, at least from what they say. Adam Cole was able to kick out of it, but also what happens? The last shot, Adam Cole went for it, and fucking Finn kicked out of that. So they had to like up their game. Like obviously, Finn still has the 1916. You have uh, Adam Cole that still has the uh, Panama Sunrise, and just the ending of it, man. I I I thought the match was fucking awesome. Uh, I mean, both these guys are so goddamn good. And uh, we had uh, Finn win the damn championship. Um, I I just was not expecting this, honestly. And I'm so happy that Finn Balor, along with Samoa Joe and Shinsuke Nakamura, is a two-time NXT champion. He's already got... It's not the most time with a title. He has some type of record. But now he also shares that with Samoa Joe and Shinsuke as being a two-time champion. And uh, obviously, this was not supposed to happen like this. He was uh, uh, going to go against Walter. I'm pretty sure move back to the UK and probably take that title from Walter and kind of try to bring up the UK NXT brand. Uh, the pandemic happened, and now fucking Finn Balor's champion. Unless he takes over fucking Undisputed Era, he looks like he's a babyface. Uh, and if he does that, obviously he'll be back as a heel. But Adam Cole, obviously, throughout the night, you know, like I said, with the promo, he was a better man. I will come and fight him again. He was so babyface-esque, it's ridiculous. But I'm really happy, regardless, to have Finn Balor as a champion in NXT. Um, I wish you would bring back out the Demon once in a while. I know he has issues with that because of Vince basically making it a spectacle concept so he doesn't really deem it something that he can fucking do once in a while. kind of sucks. But regardless, I love Finn Balor. He's a great wrestler. What do you think, Chris? I thought this was an absolutely phenomenal fucking match. Probably the best match off both shows. Do you feel that way? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, I didn't expect anything less, but if you're just like, if you're a huge in ring wrestling fan, this was the best match off both shows. So check this one out specifically, even if you're just going to listen to the recaps and not watch, um, go back and watch this match. It was worth watching. Uh, I think it was a little telling that Adam Cole didn't get any help. Right. None. So it kind of seems like, uh, Seems like they might be going in that direction where he's going to get ousted, which I think is smart. Maybe not necessarily for the Undisputed Era, unless they're going to book them as tag teams from for, from now on, or like a Michael Hayes, uh, Freebirds-type tag team. Or have Finn Balor take over if they if they want to go that route. I thought I thought this match was, was fucking good. As far as the, the Demon stuff, I get why he doesn't want to do it. I guess my big question is... Is Finn Balor an NXT lifer at this point? And, and the reason I say this is he's 39 years old. I don't know how you reposition him on the main roster at this point. Um, there's obviously feuds he's going to have in NXT and uh, NXT UK. Do you think they ever try to bring him back? And if so, how would they even get there? Uh, 
I hate to say this, but if they're going to bring him back, I know I, I, I like recently heard him do a whole interview about the demon and how it was supposed to be like a fun thing he did in New Japan. He liked the fact that it had its own entity, you know, when he came to NXT, like it was something like war paint that he only did for like the pay-per-views. But when Vince got that, it was like, like I said, I mean, he didn't say this exactly. It was his ultimate warrior for certain pay-per-views. So this guy who can't be beaten if he has face paint on for certain events. And because of that, it's like he doesn't want to fucking drag it out again. Because, I mean, obviously it takes fucking forever probably to put that on. But, I mean, at one point when he was thinking about it, he kind of wanted to just do it every night. But he doesn't want that to define him. Because, honestly, when it comes down to it, I love Finn Balor. But the demon makes him kind of cool. So if you take it back and put him on SmackDown, you probably have to be the demon like full time, honestly, to be on a similar level as some of the other wrestlers because in NXT he gets the prince over, but other places it's like smile if you're a fucking normal human, uh, or be the demon. And uh if not, then you're just not as cool, I guess, unfortunately. I actually wonder what Finn's contract looks like and if he would ever go back to Japan. If he goes anywhere, he's going back to Japan, I think. I, I, I would, don't see him going to AEW. I, I feel like we never really got the Prince Devitt-Okada match we deserve, and maybe that's something would, he would want. I would love for him to go to Japan and get and become the IWGP heavyweight champion if he has to put on more muscle or whatever for the standards but he's been the he's been one of the most prominent junior he's never won the big title yeah i mean i i just think about the matchups there he would have and there's nothing against what he's doing in so nxt him and kota bushi could have a fucking program for two years and i would be intrigued yeah, and I mean, like I said, it's nothing against what I just I don't know how you get him back to the main roster is the biggest problem unless you do something where he has a faction or something at this point. Faction um, or demon man or bust, unfortunately for him. Yeah, and then that just really sucks because I, I mean, him versus Brock Lesnar was one of my favorite matches last year. Yep. Just what able what he was able was. to do with someone uh, like Brock Lesnar in the ring, and and how fucking good that guy is. I mean, the Adam Cole match I think speaks for itself. I just, and, and I as an in ring performer, I mean, like I said, it's it's hard to get any type of recognition if Jim Cornette does not already know you or praise you. But he says Finn Balor could have been like. He considers him almost like the modern Dynamite Kid. And he said he would have had great matches with both Dynamite Kid and also Tiger Mask back in the day. And he has that fucking aggressive style. He mixes UK with New Japan and American wrestling. And and he's a great high flyer, too. Great wrestling. Agreed. But I think that wraps up NXT, unless I'm... Well, the last thing... Was the awesome uh, cage match uh, that we we oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then and then trail out afterwards? But uh, we had uh, you know um, 
a steel cage match with Mercedes Martinez and Rhea Ripley. Dude, this match was fucking aggressive. Both ladies beat the shit out of each other. I'm kind of hoping this is the end of the feud because I like to see Rhea go against EO to get that title back or whatever since that's been suggested. And I think Mercedes is awesome, but like let her start at a lower, you know, let her let her build some people over to get to that level again. But Rhea Ripley is fucking awesome. This is one of her mentors. They had a fucking match. They beat the living shit out of each other. The she tried to go uh, for a fisherman. I should say Mar- Martinez did, and Ripley got out and did the riptide through the table for the win. It was if you're gonna watch NXT and you don't have a lot of time, and you kind of breeze, kind of like what what uh, Chris was telling you. Watch the first match and the last match. Watch Adam Cole versus Finn Balor, and then watch this match. I love the Bronson Reed Austin Theory match. But that's up to you. But the, the the first match and the last match really build NXT this week, and they were both great matches and uh, a great cage match because ladies weren't trying to fucking escape. They were beating the shit out of each other. There were tables, and it was a fun schmoz match. So what did you think about it, Chris? I, I mean, I have to agree with you 100% on this. I mean, I, I thought it was, it, to me, it was the second best match of the night, and there was some heavy competition with Adam Cole and, and Finn Balor. I think right off the bat, but this was a really, really good match. Um, the table spot at the end was fucking incredible. I thought it was very well done. It's, I, I'm still weird on why the booking was a cage match, just based on the setup, which was uh, was Rhea. Like, God, I'm, God, I blanked on her name now. Uh, Says Martinez. Yeah, Rhea, you know, power bombing Mercedes Martinez on the concrete. You would think it would be like a false count anywhere match. But out, outside of that, you know, and that's nitpicking because they had a great match in this cage and it was a spectacle. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I thought the NXT show to me personally was better than the AEW show. I don't know that it continued storylines the same way um, or made me necessarily want to watch the next NXT event, but as far as like wrestling goes, I thought it was a better in-ring show. I, I can agree. Uh, one thing that we kind of skipped over a little bit with uh, AEW. Two more things, and we can get out of here. Uh, AEW. It was announced that on their anniversary show on Wednesday, October fourteenth, when they started, that is when they're going to have Moxley go against Archer in a one-on-one match. For the AW title. So, obviously, Chris, I'd say this, Archer's probably going to fucking lose. Maybe, unless this thing turns into a three-way and and, and Moxley doesn't tur- take the pin. I guess it depends on what they, what they do with it. But, yeah, more than likely, if it's a singles match, I would think, you know, it's your anniversary show you can build to a rematch Moxley probably just retains the title. It just depends on where they book, how they book it, I guess. Agreed. All right. So last thing. So keep in mind, raw got 1.725 million, uh, this week, which was down. I think it was 20%. That's not the big thing. Just compare that because NXT being unopposed on Tuesday, which I think they should just go to, 
Well, unopposed to Impact, and I watched both at the same time, but whatever. Um, NXT was 838,000. And AEW, their biggest rating, I think, since uh, I think it was last November, uh, 1,000,000.16. So AEW doing pretty well. I really think, and it's not because people like Chris Jericho or whoever's talking shit for whatever fucking reason, because we got a few old dickhead fans. Um, I think it would be, it would make a lot of sense if NXT, since the rumors are there, just go to Tuesday or Thursday fucking night and be able to build something. And, uh, obviously it worked out pretty well for AEW because they're over a million. But still, not shabby at all for NXT being close to 900,000. Uh, what do you think? I think it's good for both shows. And originally, AEW wanted to go on Tuesday nights anyways, but there's the NBA, right? So yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's kind of a weird thing where it's... No one asked for this war. It just kind of happened. <laughs> and you split your fans. And I think the DVR numbers... If we ever got like a true um, count on what the DVR numbers look like, I think it would be it's going to be a lot closer than people think. I think the the fans of NXT there's a lot of cross crossover as we we seen. I mean NXT popping up in the ratings like that, um, pretty impressive. Obviously Raw and SmackDown are still your two top dogs, but uh, we're no longer that far apart like we used to be. Not at all. And uh, I also it's don't think that... Close. I've never liked the idea of SmackDown on Friday nights because I always feel like people have better shit to do on Friday nights for the most part. <laughs> um, I don't know that that's helping their rating, but I, I doubt they'll ever move that slot because it's Fox. Um, I was more surprised about the SmackDown number knowing that Roman turned heel than the rest of these numbers. SmackDown is actually a pretty good show. They sh- they need to keep up the momentum, if you ask me. But, uh, yeah, I agree with you. And um, crazy. Our next show will deal with SmackDown, Raw, and everything related to WWE when it comes to that. But um, I think, unless you have any last comments, Chris, it's time to wrap up the show. I'll save it for... Uh... For Monday and, and Monday night, uh, when we go over Monday Night Raw and uh, Friday Night SmackDown this weekend, I have some things that to, to say for sure. Well, there you go. There's a little preview for you guys. So thank you so much for listening to us and uh, listening to another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Um, new listeners, we usually have shows out uh, twice a week, usually having the recordings out on Fridays and Sundays. Uh, one of our show goes over AAW, NXT, or anything related to those two. And then on our second show, our, our quote-unquote angry show, at least my angry show, most of the time, I've liked SmackDown recently. It is Monday Night Raw and SmackDown and any of the pay-per-views that go along with that or news. So definitely check that out. Um, also, go to Geek Fives Nation. That's Geek Fives Nation. Dot com, and you'll find news articles and also links to all of our social media platforms. Go to Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Geek Vibes Nation. 
join any of those groups, join the conversation, join Geek Fives Nation. Also, like I said at the beginning of the show, if you look at Wrestling Geeks Alliance, search it on Google. You can find it also on Geek Fives Nation, but search it on Google. You can find our links on Stitcher, on uh, Spotify, on iTunes, any of the major audio platforms, YouTube. You can find Wrestling Geeks Alliance. We release shows, like I said, usually on Thursdays and Sundays. And just listen to us every week. We go over all the major shows and uh, provide entertainment value, I think, for our audience. W- would you agree with that, Chris? Do we have entertainment value? Say goodbye to all I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. I hope we do. And uh, goodbye, all the people, all you beautiful people out there. Uh, if you want to talk to me on Twitter, you can hit me at, at Chris R. Patton. If I uh, if if my match of the night somehow offended you, please let me know. Let's talk about it. Tell me why you liked uh, the FTR match better or the John Moxley match better. I, I would love to talk about that. And um, in general, if you like hockey, we have the NHL Stanley Cups starting to wind down here. You can uh, check out. Uh, skates to throats we're out there same spotify anywhere stitcher itunes wherever you want to find it it, it'll be there so if you like hockey check that out and uh yeah man dane as always thanks for having me i think this was a a really fun show and i hope the listeners out there enjoyed it i hope all of you beautiful people enjoyed it and uh, i agree i thought this is a great show so definitely tune in next time you guys peace out and let the geek fives be with you. See, I don't want you. No, I don't need you. No reason.